Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Labor Day edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of the show. Today I've got Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy with me, and we are excited to come to you live from our studios on South College Street and talk to you about all the college football we've witnessed in the last 48 hours. We have a lot to discuss on this Monday edition of the program. Hope everyone is having a happy Labor Day today. We'll be discussing the Auburn and UMass game. Tigers winning 59-14 over the Minutemen. We'll have plenty of thoughts from that one, how it looked versus how we expected it to look, uh, how it might uh, pretend to the next game up against Cal. Of course, we'll talk some other college football items today, what happened to LSU last night, uh, primetime, We'll talk about uh, some other SEC schools, all the big matchups from this past weekend. So a lot of college football on tap for you today, as it should be on this Labor Day Monday. And, well, maybe a brief preview of one more game coming up tonight to complete the full week one. Uh, as always, on Mondays, we'll have best and worst of the weekend. We'll also have a nightly TV guide this afternoon. Ryan Lavoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. And, of course, your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Brant, I will start with you. You had your first experience inside of the Jordan-Hare Stadium press box. We were very glad that uh, you were with us on Saturday. And uh, how did it look from up above? Uh, it looked different. I could see the entire <laughs> field, but I couldn't see the details quite as well. But it, it was it was a really cool experience being in the press box, and uh, I get to do it one more time this season. So I'm excited to go through with that. I think I believe the Samford game. So I believe a, a week for not this week, but next, obviously because Auburn going to California, and I'm not making that trip. And you'll also be at the New Mexico State game. I will. Okay. Yep. All right. So three. Yeah. There we go. How about that? Uh, but. Yeah, uh, interesting experience being up in the press box. Uh, it is like you hear. Yes, it's very cool. Yes, it's nice to watch a football game in the air conditioning, but it is very quiet in there. You you can't uh, obviously you can't cheer for anybody. That's not an Auburn rule. That's a that's a media rule. Yeah. You know you can't you can go to every press box in America, and uh, if you start screaming and cheering for a team, they'll kick you out. But uh, yeah, overall a, a very fun experience. I was glad I got to do it. Um, being a fan is probably more fun. But uh, this was definitely a very cool experience, and uh, I look forward to doing it again. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, look, there are liberties that we get and we're afforded by, by getting to be in the press box. Uh, there are certain elements that you miss, especially when you still continue to root for the team. And uh, obviously, you cannot scream in the press box. <laughs> and uh, you can certainly. People are, there uh, are people up there, very serious sure, people trying yeah. to work. Uh, certainly can appreciate big plays, though. And. Uh, uh, it's certainly a different perspective on the game, but also gives us the ability to access the field, access 
the post-game press conferences and that sort of thing. So glad you're up there and again at least yep. two more times up Absolutely. there for you this year. Tom Peavy, hope you had hey. a great weekend, sir. Uh, I had not seen you since the big cable snafu of Thursday night, and hmm. so I was asking you what uh, you had and uh, the Spectrum Disney dispute affected you greatly, yes. and I hate that for you. I heard that you still consume plenty of college football over the weekend, though, and I hope that your weekend was still very good. The weekend was very good. I did consume as much football as I could. Uh, Auburn-wise, I had to consume highlights. Uh, and then uh, as far as other games, I was able to kind of see what was out there on CBS, FS1, and then, of course, uh, last night, big game between FSU and LSU. Was able to watch that one on ABC, but anything on the ABC networks, SEC network, no go for me as a as a. Uh, I I still have not cut the cord, so uh, yeah. But great football, a uh, lot of big time performances. Auburn did what they needed to do. We're going to go more in detail on that. Uh, Colorado with a big win, as you mentioned, a lot of football going on. Uh, another thing that we have to also mention that we may get into Atlanta Braves with a huge, huge series win over at the L.A. Dodgers. Yeah. It was one of those series that was going to kind of tell you, you know, is Atlanta just that – Is are they that good? Are they really the best team in baseball? Well, yeah, they are. Yes. Uh, to Period. go to go into the Dodgers stadium as hot as the Dodgers had been and to take the, the games that they did, they did lose the finale, but – I mean, they they won the games. Uh, Acuna's just hitting home run after home run after home run. Ozuna still doing crazy things. A, a guy that, you know, early in the season we thought they needed to send him packing. He's one of their better hitters. So uh, big-time stuff there with the Braves. Big-time stuff with Auburn. Uh Big time stuff big in, the, time stuff. in, in the sports world. We're here. We're, we are back. I mean, this is – we got it too – a week ago, we got just that little taste of week zero. <laughs> just that taste. It's kind of the, the little sprinkle on the tongue of it. And now we got the full mouthful. So plenty to talk about. Let's get going on it. Yeah, it was a little bit of a week uh, week one schedule, but you, you still had some incredible games. I mean, the I think North Carolina and South Carolina kind of set things off. Uh, North Carolina... I, I thought South Carolina was going to win that game. I really did. But North Carolina, and we'll get into this as we go on, But and we talked about it a little bit before the show, but the, those two ACC-SEC matchups, the ACC teams pushed around the SEC teams. And I, that's something you just haven't seen that often. And, you know, that, that, was, that certainly took us by surprise, I think. Absolutely. We will get to that a little bit later today. Admittedly, don't know if we'll get to much Braves today. We certainly do need to at some point in the early part of this sure. week, so maybe we'll get that uh, tomorrow. Also, excitingly enough this week, uh, we're not going as extensive into the previews, obviously, as we did for college football. I mean, we started previewing that all the way back to SEC Media Days uh, in July. But on Wednesday and Thursday, nevertheless, we'll have some NFL previews, too, as the NFL season will start on Thursday. So very exciting week on Sports Call, very exciting week of action, but let's get right to it today on this Labor Day Monday. Let's start off with our observations from inside of Jordan Hare Stadium. Auburn and UMass Auburn, a decisive victory, no problems here. 59 to 14. It did allow a uh, very, really lack of resistant drive on the UMass's first possession, a tied at seven, uh, but UMass not scoring till the middle part of the fourth quarter <clears throat> after that. Uh, whether uh, I know there's going to be a few bad things too, good things. What do you guys want to start with today? Uh, you know the the thing 
the thing that I will look at is yeah that that first drive that UMass, UMass had uh, that was kind of scary if you because we've talked about Auburn's defense and and the need for them to improve especially up front in the run game and all of a sudden it was right there in front of me it's like oh gosh you know but they adjusted they bared down they did what they needed to do um my my so I have two takeaways first of all Auburn did what they were supposed to do. And I'm happy to see I'm happy to see that because there have been some other games where Auburn did not do what they were supposed to do, you know, against inferior competition, and it you know makes you leave with a sick feeling in your stomach, or you just actually want a nail biter against Georgia State or something like that. This one, they handled business, they did what they need to do, but it was not perfect. And Hugh Freeze mentioned a lot of that today. Uh, he said that uh, his his meeting with the coaching staff was was. Not pleasant, I guess is what he said, uh, because of the team doing some of the small things or not doing some of the small things that you have to do, like lining up correctly. Uh, and I think he referenced maybe 15 times uh, that they went back and Auburn just was not lined up correctly. And those are little things like that that, that are just going to burn him and that they have to fix. Execution-wise, for the most part, I feel like Auburn executed what they wanted to do. Uh, you know, after that long drive, the defense really kind of adjusted and and shut them down until another drive way late in the game when it was already all said and done, and there was a lot of backups already in play. Uh, so the defense adjusted. Offense, I, you know, I'm not going to say a well-oiled machine, but, I mean, it, it was definitely efficient, efficient through the air, efficient on the ground. Uh, the offensive line looked pretty good, so – there's not a lot to complain about. If there are any complaints, it's, it's the small details. Like I said, lining up correctly. Uh, there was another uh, situation where there was a wide receiver uncovered that they could have like gotten a pass to really quick and they didn't recognize it. And it's it's just some little tiny things like that in a game that you win and blow out fashion that need to be corrected. But there's not anything glaring that just jumped off the page against UMass where you're just like, oh my gosh, this is bad. Everything went fine. It's just those little details that need to be cleaned up right now. Yeah, I think the the two biggest things, I've got one positive and one negative that I really want to focus on. For the first time in a while, I think Auburn's offensive line is not the biggest concern. I think that the offensive line is going to be perfectly fine. I don't think they're going to be the best offensive line in the SEC, but I think that it's not going to be the biggest issue on offense. I think that the running game, and again, all this with the caveat of, yes, it's UMass. Got to keep that in mind. But uh, I do think that the offensive line played really well. And uh, actually, uh, Gunnar Britton got off got SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week earlier today. Yeah. Uh, and he, he played drives at three different positions for Auburn. And... I've talked about it before. It, Hugh Freeze's offense, it's not super difficult to play offensive line in. You're going to be running inside zone half the time. So, you know, you can figure it out. But it, still, uh, Gunnar Britton did a really good job. He graded out pretty well uh, based on some things that I've seen. So a good job by the offensive line. The bad thing that I noticed with the defense, that first drive where they went 89 yards pretty much uncontested for most of it, Auburn was playing very vanilla defense. They didn't want to show anything. They wanted to go up there with their better athletes and win because they're the better football team. They couldn't do that. They had to get a little bit exotic. They started stunning. They started uh, slanting. They started blitzing a ton. Um, Auburn sent double-digit blitzes from the secondary in this game. And against UMass, that can work because you've got better athletes, and, and when you overwhelm an offensive line, 
you're not blocking four with five. You're blocking more like five with five, and you have more of those one-on-one matchups, and guys are slanting and stunting and all that. That's when you can overwhelm an offensive line like that. If you have to blitz that that much against a Georgia or an LSU or a team with a good offensive line that can pick up athletes coming from the outside, you're going to get torn apart, frankly. Uh, Auburn had to do way too much to confuse UMass to overwhelm them. They couldn't just beat them by having superior athletes. And to me, that's worrying. And again, it's week one. This is not the same Auburn team that we will see in week six or seven. There's still a lot of growth to do. Honestly, I think this is the perfect game for a head coach in week one because you won comfortably, you looked good for the most part, but you also have a lot of stuff that you can go back and look at and go, hey, this is what we have to work on. We, we are not where we need to be, but you still got a big win in week one. So I, I think overall uh, this went about as well as Hugh Freeze could have asked for, honestly, and uh, I think there's a lot of improvement that they can do. Yeah, there was a, a thing or two certainly to improve on. Um, there was also just the actual part of it, which is obvious, but we wondered if and when they'd be able to get the second string, when they would be able to uh, give other guys opportunities. They were able to get in all the guys that they wanted to get in that were available to them. They were playing second stringers very early on in that uh, third quarter after the the 31-7 lead they took into the half. Uh, I mean, they scored immediately with that pick six to start the second half from Jalen Simpson. So, again, they they checked the boxes in terms of score, in terms of situation. Uh, it was their most decisive victory since the second game of 2021 when Auburn crushed Alabama State 62-0. to uh, So, obviously, all the, the lesser non-conference opponents from that point on, you talk about Georgia State in 2021, but even San Jose State or Mercer in 2022 – uh, were obviously not as decisive as this. So the scoreboard checked the boxes. The game within the game, though, I'll start positive, but I'll echo the negative maybe a little bit later in the show because we'll have to take a break. But I'll start with the positive, and I'll echo the negative that Brant had because I think it's a, a pretty obvious one. But the, the positive is, as speculated, look, Jarquez Hunter didn't play. Any back Auburn put in was productive. Yep. That's a sign of offensive line play being as it should against a weaker team. That's a sign of talented runners. Uh, really, everyone I was going through the list uh, produced in a solid way. Batty was the only runner, uh, the only runner, quarterback or otherwise, that did not average five yards a carry uh, on their rush attempts. Even Sean Jackson, I mean, I'll, I'll name him Sean Jackson, Jeremiah Cobb, Robbie Ashford, Demari Austin, Justin Jones, Brian Batty, and Peyton Thorne. Only Brian Batty did not average five yards a carry. So they checked the box. In, in, in that form, uh, running the ball with all their different backs, all their different options. Throwing, look, I thought that Thorne, and, and look, Hugh Free said the same thing afterwards. I thought he missed a couple. Yeah. I thought he made a couple poor pre-snap decisions. We we're talking about decisions, and I think Hugh Free said three bad decisions he thought that Peyton Thorne made. I think he's referencing pre-snap because, for example, the Tom, you you referenced the receiver in the slot. I can't remember if it was Fair or who it was. I think that, it was that, Johnson. Uh, Javarius Johnson. I what, think it was Javarius. That who, was whoever it was that he kind of ended up throwing – Kind of looks looked like it functioned like a slot fade. I know Florida State scored on that last night. Functioned like a slot fade, but no one was covering him, and so easily could have gone to um, him immediately, just thrown it out in the flat and let him 
uh, just just go ahead and get it and then catch and run. He threw, tried to lead him down the field. Right. The safety got involved. It was a little, little poor, not the best thrown ball, ends up being completion. So I think that's one of the pre-snap decisions. I also noticed one, and I think it was late second quarter. I think it was one of the drives that culminated in a Robbie Ashford rushing touchdown uh, because it was another kind of fade towards the end zone. And I, I think it was a pre-snap read because the second – Thorn through it, you could see Hugh Freeze get exasperated on the on the sideline and pulled him over, put Ashford in, and was I mean, give him a little bit of the business, a little bit, you know, saying hey, that was not smart. Ashford comes in, they end up scoring on the on the red zone opportunity. So I think we're talking about some pre-snap decisions more than anything. Yes, there was a couple of balls overthrown on fades and that sort of thing that they just couldn't quite hook up with. But I'm not reading too much into that because again, I think it derives. Out of the pre-snap stuff that the stat, excuse me, pre-snap stuff that they did. Um, so I think offensively they really checked all the boxes. I they could have gotten a little bit more separation in certain uh, certain routes, although they they seemed very content to do the basic stuff. Which again, it's not shocking. They were not going to go do double reverses, right. play action concepts that they're really going to want to run in the SEC. Again, that, that's. You can be somewhat disappointed in that, but also understanding the fact that you're just not going to reveal much in a game that you can lean on the other team. And so I think that uh, the passing game, it, it didn't check like, a, oh, this is going to be awesome box, but it checked what it needed to for, for game one. So I give it a check in that, in that regard. Uh, and then defensively, again, talking about the positive, we'll get to the negative later, but my last thought before we go to break is I did like that the young guys, in particular, Keldrick Falk, guys that we had talked about potentially having a bigger role in the team, Eugene Asante, for instance. I know he's not necessarily a younger guy, but still a newer guy, second year in the program. That guys that were being kind of billed as having really good falls had a really good first game. Keldrick Falk did not play a lot. He mainly only played in the third quarter. It was a very good purr. He had like three tackles, tackle half for loss, half sack. It's like his first play of the game. Yeah, that yeah. He was very in, first he play makes he's in the backfield. Makes, he's in the backfield. So yeah. check that box. Y'all said Eugene Asante lead the team in tackles. I believe was six. Uh, so he was productive. And look, I'm, I'm again. There's an obvious negative get here, and I'll save it for later. But on the positive side, I think that some of the guys that you did believe would have an impact for you coming into the year that were maybe not the top of the radar guys. They did have a, a, a sort of impact in week one. Will that translate? That's an even bigger question for me. I I feel more confident in offensive analysis than defense from time to time. And there's going to be some flaws to talk about. So I'm not going to tell you that these guys will just be huge production guys all year long. But certainly they kind of stood out to me. Because, look, everybody gets to play there. Uh Falk and what he did in such a short amount of time, and Asante producing near the line of scrimmage too, I, I thought was a another another really good sign. Any other uh, particular pauses that you guys want to hit on before we get to our first break? I thought the secondary played well. Sure, uh, I, I think that they gave up a little bit, but I think that over. I mean, I you saw I, I, Donovan Kaufman especially. He didn't spend much. He didn't spend as much time in coverage uh, that you noticed him in. But as a pass rusher, he was fantastic. Um, I, I think that overall, I think the secondary covered really well. Uh, like I said, I, I I still think the questions are there for the front 
well, they're really playing a front six, not a front seven. But I, I think for the guys that are in the box, there are still some questions. But I think the secondary is going to be as advertised. Yeah, uh, Jalen Simpson getting the pick six, by the way. Yes. That's a great play for me. Big play to start second half. Ward off any suspicion of any continuation of that game. I, I love in. I love Jalen Simpson at safety. He came here as a corner, uh, got moved to safety towards the end of last year, and just looks at home at that spot. I love Jalen Simpson as a safety. Yeah, and again, the passing numbers, they got up to 161, uh, but their starter only had 55 yards the backup was actually six of eight for 108 because he threw a 58 whoops a 58 yard whoops touchdown pass yeah. and then that uh, was a screen it right, went like five yards right. in the air so again auburn essentially allowing right around 100 yards there uh with their main guys in there so they did a, a really good job uh, i certainly agree in the secondary we're gonna take our first time out of the show a lot more to digest about this auburn and umass game but when we come back we'll go to the auburn bank phone line and hear from you if you want to give us a call today 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine at tiger nine sports call returns in a moment Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the show. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free. one 888 First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good and War Eagle. War Eagle. <clears throat> yeah, I know that y'all were talking about... Um, the big game uh, between Auburn and UMass, and I didn't see any mistakes on Auburn's side, but I saw a little bit of mistakes with UMass. Um, I, I think that was like a really good game between both teams, and Auburn really did what they had to do with Peyton Thornton as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Auburn uh, checked checked a lot of the boxes that they needed to. Not a perfect performance, but a very good one. And uh, they'll be happy with with beating UMass by forty five. Yes, that's why because um, I was looking at uh, Peyton Thornton and uh, seeing what he was going to, you know, see what he was going to do in the first and second quarter of the game, and he was kind of in that first in that first quarter of the game, he was looking kind of nervous. But I, I don't I don't see why is he nervous. I mean, he's an Auburn football player, so where where was you know I was looking at him as a quarterback and, and just saying, where is your mind at? Where, where is it at? You know, if you're, I think he was thinking about, you know, from his day of his college playing days that 
um, at Michigan State. But, I mean, he has to let that go. You know, I know that that's where he played, so he has to let that that old mindset go of him. He's playing for a different team now. He, he has to let his past, you know, be in the past and worry about, you know, worry about being an Auburn player as well. Yeah, just learning a lot of uh, a new system. Obviously, he'd been in the same system for a couple of years at Michigan State. So I think, again, the the couple of, of poor throws, poor decisions he had were pre-snap stuff, I think, primarily. And uh, Hugh Freeze know that he made three bad decisions. And so uh, he'll try to learn from that and, and cut those down. Yes, as well, because I know when, uh, when, they, when quarterbacks are actually out there, they're always you know, trying to figure out you know, what positions or like what options they need to, you know, what options they need to throw. And then once they look towards the sideline to the coach, why, why do they do that? I mean, don't you already know what you're going to, what you're going to play or what you're going to run? Uh, sometimes coaches want uh, quarterbacks to check with them at the line of scrimmage to, to let the coach figure out uh, the defense too and make an audible or make an adjustment to the play. And that's a, a pretty common practice. Yes, as well, because if we, if um, well, with with the next game that we have on our schedule with California, I I, I look I was looking at California, and um, you know they they look like a easy team that they're going to win. I mean that they're going to lose to Auburn. So I think this one would be another win under Hugh Freeze's belt as well. So this will be two wins for Auburn as well. Do you have a early score prediction for that one? Um, I'll probably say this one. For this coming up weekend, I'll probably say it'll be 42 to 14. All right, 42 14. What else is on your mind today? Well, I was actually um, I was actually in Montgomery over the weekend. Um, I was at the uh, at the Red Tails Classic and uh, seeing Tuskegee University and Fort Valley State, and I wasn't very happy with that with that score as well. All right, yeah, no, I don't. Uh... Didn't follow that one, but uh, I'm glad you were happy with the result. Yes, as well because um, with Fort Valley State, I think they're they're looking like a good team, and um, you know I, I think Fort Valley State would look like a bowl team. You know they're looking. I I probably see them actually playing in a bowl game sometime real soon as well. Yeah, they're not FBS, so can't play in an FBS bowl, but uh, maybe they could make the playoffs of the lower lower tiers of the NCAA. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at uh, what's going to be happening for Thursday night football with the Detroit Lions and Kansas City Chiefs. And I think uh, the Detroit Lions will take this one to uh, Kansas City on Thursday night football. And um, I know this one is going to be a really tough test for Patrick Mahomes. And I think this one is going to be a blowout on Thursday night. All right. Well, that's uh, I think Kansas City still favored at home there. But uh, you like the upset and you like Detroit to win easily. I I think uh, Kansas City be pretty fired up. It should be ring night for them, and uh, they obviously Mahomes has been great for a long time. He will continue to be great, so that'll be a tough one for Detroit. Yes, as well because I think I'm looking at in my near future. I'm looking at Detroit actually being a Super Bowl contender, and um, who's actually going to play um, against the Detroit Lions? I think my Dallas Cowboys will play against the Detroit Lions because I would love to see Detroit and Dallas actually play in the Super Bowl in 2024. 
Yeah, again, that would be one of those uh, NFC championship matchups. They, uh, they're they both in the NFC, so couldn't match up in the Super Bowl, but they could meet up in the playoffs. Detroit was getting pretty close to the playoffs last year, fell just short, had a really productive offense, but need to get better on defense. So we'll see how Detroit looks in 2023. Yes, that's because I'm actually going to be uh, picking some uh, Detroit Lion players and putting them on my roster when uh, week one starts on Thursday night. Yep, I know everyone's been doing some fantasy drafts here, so – Everyone excited for the uh, fantasy part of it, too. Yes, as well, because um, fantasy football starts on uh, Thursday night. That's going to be week one, and I'm actually ready for it. I've been, uh, you know, looking at um, NFL Fantasy Live all week and uh, seeing some great players I might put in. I might put in uh, Travis Etienne and uh, see where he's going to, where he's actually going to put me in, um, in the playoff spot as well this year. Yeah, ETN should be pretty good for Jacksonville. We're also hoping Tank Bigsby will be good uh, for Jacksonville in his rookie season. Yes, that's all because I'm going to put put some Auburn players in there. I'm going to be putting uh, Anderson Carlson in there. I'm going to be putting uh, Tank Bigsby in there. I'm going to put a lot of um, Auburn players in there if I can pretty much get them off, uh, if I can actually, you know, get them off of the first round. Uh, draft boards and uh, seeing if I'm going to make um, a bounce back this year as well. What else is on your mind today? Well, I was uh, looking at over the weekend, I was looking at uh, NASCAR and uh, I didn't like the the way that uh, Danny Hamlin lost that race. He was, he was right there in the leader spot and he just I guess he just ran out of gas at, at that point as well. So I'm very um, I'm, I'm like very unhappy with that one as well. Yeah, Denny Hamlin uh, led a lot of that race, but then had a uh, unfortunate issue there, and uh, that changed the race. Kyle Larson ended up winning the first playoff race. Yeah, so um, I, I, you know, I really didn't like that because um, I did have all my playoff my playoff um, drivers actually. Uh, favorite to win, but I think um, this will be the second round of the playoffs. So I'm gonna probably see who they're gonna who who will they actually pick. Um, you know who what the uh, the sports announcers for uh, NASCAR will pick, and I'll probably pick those uh, guys if they pick them correctly and see if I'm gonna win as well. Because I know I'm always uh, picking really good drivers and winning every single uh, fantasy race. So I'm going to probably take uh, round two in the playoff spot, which is this Sunday as well. Yep, every single one. And uh, again, three races per round. So we got Kansas and Bristol in this first round, and then they'll move on to the second round. Well, James, we've got a couple more callers to get to. So you have any final thoughts for us today? Um, I don't have any final thoughts for y'all today, but I'll probably call y'all back tomorrow. Sounds good, James. Hope you have a good rest of your evening. All right. War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to head to our next timeout. Back with more Sports Call right after this.
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the show. We continue on by going back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. And uh, a happy uh, Labor Day to you guys, because you are the guys that are laboring, not me. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Well, uh, you are appreciated for uh, doing uh, the work that you do every day, but especially on a what's a holiday for a lot of other people. Sure. So uh, thank you for, for doing that. And it's uh, Brent and uh, Tom uh, on the air as well, right? That's yes. correct. Okay, the three amigos. Well, let's get to it, guys. I enjoyed uh, hearing some of your comments, uh, takeaways, and uh, one of the things that – uh, to me, just uh, struck me. You already mentioned it, Tom, but the exact quote that, that really uh, told me, okay, reason not playing around here, uh, is when he said, our coach's meeting yesterday, this is his quote, truthfully, wasn't very pleasant. And then he went on to add, I don't know how great we can be, but should we be able to line up right and play hard? And that's what we have to get fixed. You can't line up wrong 15 times. Now, I don't know what those 15 times were, guys. Uh, were they the receivers? Was our defensive line? Who, who's he referring to, guys? He I, didn't say, yeah. and, and that's the thing. I, I imagine it's a little bit of everybody. Um, receivers might have been in the wrong spot. I, I think the defense, I, I don't know this, but if I had to guess, I'd say it was the defense that lined up more wrong than the offense. And yet we had very few penalties. I think with a total of 40 yards. Yeah, uh, pretty good as far I think there was only one potential delay a game moment where they had to take a timeout for substitutions. But, yeah, not a ton of penalties in this game. Uh, there were no offsides or uh, whether it's uh, uh, B-snap motions. Or I'm trying to remember. Not that I can yeah, think of. I don't yeah. remember a false start or an illegal procedure or whatever, anything yeah, like that. Uh, yeah, Auburn was just penalized four times for 40 yards. Okay, so if he says we're lined up wrong 15 times, they weren't in, in terms of – any kind of offsides or anything like that, then? No, no. It was it was not that it was it was schematically ran, uh, lined up incorrectly. Yeah. All right. Give me a take, guys, on uh, what I, I guess it's all over the, the bloggers I've been reading on uh, our new uh, I guess uh, colorful characterization of red zone Ronnie, Robbie. Yeah, red, red zone Robbie, uh, Robbie Ashford. Uh, what do you think of that uh, moniker now for him? I think that it's very effective uh, in certain situations. I think he's going to have to do more than run power and a zone read. I think he's going to have to throw at some point to be a serious threat in the SEC. And I think that Peyton Thorne's going to have to be able to do something. They, they didn't really show anything that Peyton Thorne can do in the red zone. I promise you that they've got a package that they have a, they're going to be able to run their standard offense 
with Peyton Thorne in the red zone, but they wanted to show off that Robbie could do it. They wanted to see what he could do, uh, keeping it basically as simple as possible uh, in his red zone package. So I think that you're going to see Robbie a little bit less as they get to tougher competition, but I certainly think he's still going to be a factor. Yeah, and I was kind of worried about that myself. So, you know, hey, that looks fine then. He scored three touchdowns. Great. Had been done uh, since uh, Nick Marshall. However, when we get to start playing even maybe Cal or really good SEC teams, they're going to be waiting for that, right? Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they, they, they but Auburn and Hugh Freeze and that coaching staff, they understand that. I mean, they, they were doing what they could very vanilla against uh, a team that was just very much outmanned. And so they were able to do that. But yeah, Cal, I mean, if, if Robbie Ashford runs out there, Cal, of course, they're going to be looking for exactly what they did against UMass. And so that's why they're going to have to throw in some new wrinkles. And those wrinkles are probably there. You just didn't see them because sure. they didn't need to show the wrinkles. Yeah, I think the hope is with specialty packages like that is that you start simple and then you expand off of it. And so you get defenses to game plan for your simple stuff and the stuff that you do most often, and then you have iterations off of that. Yeah, I was more concerned because I was, I was kind of wincing when I saw, uh, again, the overthrows. Uh, the incorrect, the incompletions. Uh, I know he didn't throw it many times, but Ashford just didn't look that bad at Chris. Your guys take again. I mean, you're not again. You're gonna uh, if Peyton Thorne is, is solid and maintains his job. You you only need Robbie Ashford to make a couple throws all year long. You're going to be asking him to make uh, a couple of throws out of that package that they're going to have. Probably not overly. Uh, sophisticated throws. You're going to be hoping that you trick the defense into having something wide open for him to throw off of. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a lot. It was, I think it was six passes. Uh, nothing stood out in a positive manner. But again, I mean, he didn't win this job for a reason. It, we, we knew to some degree he would not be an awesome passer because if he was equally as good of a passer as Thorne was, he would have won the job because he's a, an even better runner. So, you know, we still hope that there is progress made. There's certainly room to progress from last year to this year and still not end up being Thorn. But he was, I mean, again, it's not going to be a shock if, if there's still, you know, rough passes in there. What concerns, if any, do you have about Thorn? Because his passive completion was not outstanding. It was 59%. Yeah, again, I think that those come from pre-snap stuff. I think he was throwing a couple of deep balls there. And so, I, I mean, I just... I I don't I, if he'd gone fourteen of seventeen I I don't think that we would have said it was just the most I mean like it, he's for sure going to be awesome in all conference play I right. think it was it was what it was it was fine it was fine yeah Steve I, I I'm going to jump in on, on Peyton Thorne yeah there were some bad passes that were made there that uh that need to be corrected overall he looked good but I also want to remind you of this Pey, Peyton Thorne you know coming from Michigan State when he went to Michigan State I, I mean he. He has he's never really been looked at as a world beater type quarterback, but for what Auburn's situation was, they that he's he's fine for that situation. You don't need a world beater quarterback. You need somebody that can be a little more efficient than what you've had the last couple of years, and they think Thorne can be that. But Thorne is not. He's not looked at uh, in the world of college football as this great savior of quarterbacks it's going to be a future first round draft pick i mean he's just a very serviceable uh and reliable quarterback for the most part but that means that there's going to be times that he makes some throws that kind of leave you scratching your head yeah i get that uh tom uh and he had made a beautiful uh, throw uh, uh was uh Uvarius johnson yeah uh right on the sideline there 
uh, but then he overthrows uh, a pretty wide open uh, Camden Brown in the end zone. Yeah, like I said, he he had some good throws. He had some bad throws. You want to see more of the good than the bad. But, you know, the transverse is what we saw from Robbie Ashford last year. I can sit there and tell you one good throw that Robbie Ashford made. Out of all the passes he attempted last year, I can think of one that was good. The the vast majority of what Robbie threw last year just were, I mean, egregiously bad. Uh, And so at least in your passing game, you have a quarterback that – yeah, okay, he's going to make some that are not good, but, I mean, he's going to have better, more better throws than he is bad. And that's what you're hoping for anyway. Yeah, well, I'm hoping to see more consistency. That's why uh, the 59% did not you know, tell me he was consistently completing passes. And then I saw uh, this, this quarterback, uh, of course, you know who he is. He's uh, uh, Mr. Primetime's son uh, throwing bombs left and right in the TCU Colorado game, said, wow, I just kid doing this, you know, and he's just a freshman, you know, and I'm saying, come on, Thorne, you know, show us you can do some of this, but maybe we're playing too vanilla, but it was UMass. I said, uh, well, I hope you know, that is just, you know, some some, some early, you know, um, mistake playing or vanilla playing, whatever. But speaking of our upcoming game, guys, uh, Cal is, I know you're even talking about how they're not that great, but, you know, we're only – it opened up five and a half point favor, only now six and a half point favor over Cal. And uh, their score, even against a bad North Texas State on the road, uh, was not to be sneezed at. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, the competition coming up this weekend? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we haven't gotten to that um, today yet. We obviously will throughout the week. But, no, I think Cal was impressive on Saturday. I mean, they, they were not favored to win that game by much. I think it was a one-possession uh, favor or something like that, and they put 50-something on the board. So uh, I still don't think it changes Auburn absolutely needs to win, but I do think it changes a little bit of the calculus by how much and the challenges that they might present, especially with the defensive line and uh, that Auburn has and, and see if Cal can run the ball successfully against Auburn. So, I mean, I, it changed my thinking a little bit just from the perspective of, of how much you should win by. Uh, I, I think it will be a contested game now, but Auburn still absolutely needs to win the game. Okay, so do you see this more of a close win or a close loss? I still see it more of a close win, uh, yeah. I, but I do think the emphasis is 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 close because coming into the year, I would have told you a fourteen to twenty one point type of game, and now I'm thinking more about a ten point game. Uh, I think it'll be pretty high scoring. I, I think that you know Cal. Gave up a couple big plays against North Texas. Then they settled down defensively. North Texas got 21, but I think at least 14 of those were in the first half, if not all of them. Uh, so I, I think Auburn will still score, but but uh, the real thing there is Cal, I think, will score a little bit too because uh, you know they, they scored 50-something there, and, and look, North Texas isn't great. But I would, I would say, and, and this isn't perfect apples to apples, but just to – just making things relative, like North Texas is better than UMass. Like like North Texas would would absolutely beat UMass. So, um, you know they they okay, what I'm they. I'm glad you said that because I didn't know how good North Texas State is. Not. North Texas, no, I mean North Texas won about seven or eight games last year. I think I think they're picked in the middle of the AAC, and the middle of the AAC is going to be better than U- UMass, who's coming off of the one win team, even beating New Mexico State. New Mexico State's not a good program either. So. They're all towards the bottom half of, of the country, but 
uh, North Texas is at least a little bit more reputable than UMass. And so, uh, again, it doesn't change my my thought on who wins this game. I just think that Auburn now has a couple more things to account for, especially when Cal is on offense. And speaking of uh, their offense and our uh, offense, uh, our running backs, uh, I mean, I really – I was I was I was really uh, just say pleasantly surprised to see that all our running backs did as well as they did. I know it's against UMass, but how about Mr. Shaw Jackson, who is uh, not your most speediest running back, scores on a touchdown, right? Yeah, I mean, no, they all all everyone that played had a significant run or two, absolutely. And Jeremiah Cobb, do you think they may burn his red shirt or just? Only play for a few more games. No, I, th- I think they're still only going to play him for a few games. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I only if there is an injury or lack of availability to one of their main guys. Because still, I still think he's RB four. Now, Batty was the least impressive of the running backs, so maybe that becomes a competition for RB three later in the season. But we're still not talking about a vital role. And so unless there is an injury and a real change in the pecking order because of that injury, uh, I still think that you would be thinking that as RB4, that's just not necessary to need him to play. So I think the goal would still be to, to redshirt him. Okay, and I know I'm getting around here, but speaking of you, third place, whatever, I was pleasantly surprised with Hogan Garner and his passes. Uh, he completed both of them. Yeah, I mean, again, incredibly small sample size. Uh, one, at least one of them was a back shoulder. I mean, again, he achieved what he needed to in his limited opportunities. How concerned are you still about about our defensive line stopping the run? Very. Uh, yeah. that, that's that's my biggest concern. Uh, I'll definitely have a little bit more of an expanded thought on it uh, in the next hour here when we go through a couple of the negative, or the, really the only couple negatives. Um, but, but yeah, that's my biggest negative on this team. And they did, in my opinion, nothing to, to feel better about that. Okay. Well, moving on to positive things, we got a uh, couple more minutes, Steve. For Mr. DeAndre Carter, right? Yep. And, uh, again, there's so much, so much to get to today. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a big, literally and, and figuratively get for Auburn. And that's somebody we discussed in the show for the, the past couple of weeks and, uh, did end up getting him as as the prevailing thought was. Right. And moving on, I didn't know this until I read it, our volleyball team, women's volleyball team, was actually now for the first time in program history, they said, is now ranked number 25. Yeah, I saw that earlier today. I was going to – if we had a chance, I was going to shout that out. But, yeah, you got you got ahead of me there. But, yeah, first time in school history. Uh, they had a good season last year, and, and they're playing really well again this year. So – uh, maybe maybe we're gonna turn into a volleyball school. <laughs> and then are they still undefeated? Uh, I think they lost. They, I think they've one, lost one. I match. think they've lost one match. Yeah. Okay. And women's soccer team are they still undefeated? No, they lost. Uh, was it Wake Forest? I think. At home I think that's right. Yeah. That's their only loss. They did get it on the road and and beat uh, Army and Syracuse, and they beat American on Sunday, but they've lost one. Okay. And finally, you know, if you're a player and you make bulletin board comments before the game starts, that's understandable, you know. Uh, people say stupid things when you're that age. I still say them, and I'm 72 years old. But if you're a darn coach of a major program, what in the heck are you doing saying you're going to beat the heck out of the other opponent and you don't cash that check? Yeah, again... Uh, talking about Brian Kelly. Right. I, I, I had not caught the comments uh, before the game. I saw a couple of them circulating after the game. And again, you know, I... 
there you can be motivating without being bolt and board and again i obviously it did not go well and the lsu i mean everybody's talking about them but uh do you think it might be a little bit overrated well i mean i certainly think they're not fifth anymore i, I still think that then the hierarchy the sec um you know i still think that they're in that third to fourth range but if you're alabama you're feeling a lot better about it because that yeah. was a 1a and 1b in the west for people with alabama and lsu uh, and I think Alabama can now feel a lot more confident about that. I, I and okay, I'm, yeah. and Steve, I'm, I'm going to jump in here. I, to me, that game, yeah, LSU kind of humbled and sure, not number five. My biggest takeaway from that game is is watch out for FSU because man, they've got playmakers all over the field, and that and uh, Keon Coleman, uh, Keon Coleman, uh, that had such a huge game for them. That one burns because he was at Michigan State with Peyton Thorne. And right. a lot of people thought that he may follow Peyton Thorne here to Auburn. Auburn tried to get him and thought that they had a pretty good shot at him. And he decided to go to FSU, and then he just showed out against LSU. And uh, every time I saw him make a play, I'm like, oh, no, that guy could have been here. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, that guy kept catching passes. He was possibly being contested by number 22 for LSU. He wouldn't drop it. Yeah. No, he was he, he's play. good. He, he, he is a, he's a beast. And our receivers, they got to kick it up a notch because uh, some of them were just, I mean, to, to me, some, sometimes were just not that energetic. It was a, I think it's a euphemism for loafing because, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, uh, there was uh, some comments made by Coach Freeze about that. They weren't energetic, running the routes even when it wasn't uh, them, they weren't even the target. Is that what he's saying, that some people on our side were loafing? Uh, I, maybe. I, I don't. I'm not recalling that exact comment, but we are up against the hour okay, break guys, here, Steve. My time is up. I do thank you so much for your being on the show today live, uh, and thank you for your time. Uh, we'll talk again tomorrow, and hopefully I'll make more sense. But until then, have a relaxing and safe afternoon and evening, and uh, where you'll always, guys. Where you'll see. Appreciate that phone call as always. That is Retired AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time for hour number one, but when we continue on, Here with hour number two, more from the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here on this Labor Day Monday. Hope everyone's having an enjoyable day off. We continue on with this edition of Sports Call. As uh, again, coming up, we'll have a Sports Call 5 at 5 at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. There'll be Auburn football related 
course, more football thoughts on all the games this week and on the Auburn game coming up a little bit later. But for now, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one nine tiger 9 Next up, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you this afternoon? Well, that's a lot of energy. <laughs> Give me a U. Give me a B. Give me a U. Give me an R. Give me an N. What does that spell? Auburn. Auburn. War Eagle. War Eagle. <laughs> What's up? Hey, Brent. Hey, Matt. Hey, you, hey, you guys keeping Tom straight still? Doing our best. Hey, hey, Tom. What's where's up? Where's your girlfriend at? You didn't bring her. I'm disappointed. She she was out of town this weekend. She's she's back in town uh, now, but she was in Enterprise, Alabama over the weekend. She's fired. Ah, okay. I'll tell her. She might actually be listening right now, but I'll tell her. Well, she has to be on next next Monday. All right, we'll see what we can do. She's a busy lady. She works a lot. Hey, my game tonight. It'd be one fifteen to three. Excellent. Very uh, good job. Congratulations. And I got hit with a ball. Like, and then, uh, I was going to charge it now, but my mom, I didn't. I, didn't. I was just kidding around. Sure. And so, but hey, I was going to talk about, well, first I want to talk about, did you guys see the Ole Miss score? Yeah, they uh, they ran it up on Mercer. Man, they put a whooping on Mercer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. I think Auburn can put that many points out against Cal. I think. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to score seventy three on Cal. They they might score a lot, but uh, seventy three well, is a ton. Uh, well, seventy three. I think Auburn can score like sixty five or sixty nine against Cal. Yeah. Again, that would be a lot. Uh, so they they didn't score. They scored a lot on UMass, but it wasn't quite that many. Yeah, but like a, uh, and such. Yeah, but. Uh, it looked like Robbie Ashford did better than Peyton Thorne. Uh, I mean, he certainly ran the ball well. Uh, I still think Peyton was obviously the, the better passer, and that's what they've got Peyton in there to do. Uh, but Ashford was incredibly productive uh, in that red zone package, uh, having the three rushing touchdowns. And so uh, that's why Hugh Freeze continues to say he's a vital part of the team, and, and obviously they're going to have a role for both guys. Okay. Well, hey, uh, Brent. What's up? Brent. Right. Hey, Brent, this, this question is for you and Tom. Okay? All right. Bring it on. Do you guys think, how many points do you think Auburn can score on Cal? Do you think Auburn can score maybe, say, 60, like a 60-something points? Or do you think it'll be like in the 50s? I'll be real impressed if Auburn reaches 50 or 60. Uh, I was thinking somewhere around the 30s. That's what uh, I was I, thinking. I think, uh, I think, I think 31 35 somewhere in there would be a pretty respectable output for Auburn's offense on Saturday. You think Auburn's can score maybe 38? Potentially. That's possible. So Auburn's a favor by five, right? Six and a half, Six and I half, believe. Yeah. Okay. And like, uh, this question is for all three guys because I got to get in the pool because my aunt was here and it's my dad's birthday. But I, I got a question for all three guys. Do do you know when Devon Hunter is ever going to play? Is he suspended for the whole season, or will he play in some games? So uh, there is no word on uh, when Jarquez Hunter is going to come back. Obviously did not play in this game. Um, 
I highly doubt it's for the full season. Yeah. Though. I mean, I, yeah. I think maybe maybe another game or two. Again, a very Hugh Freeze is not being very intentional about about what he's saying in that regard, keeping it close to the vest. So I can't rule out another game or two, but I absolutely do not think it's all season. Do you think he'll probably will probably probably see Javon Hunter and the rest of the guys that weren't dressed out probably against say uh, either against LSU or Stanford or New Mexico State? Oh yeah, absolutely. By by the time they they start playing LSU in the about halfway point of the year, I think. Anybody that's not healthy now would have the opportunity to be healthy. Now, obviously, other injuries can happen, but uh, they're not dealing with any anything long-term right now. So those guys that just missed playing on Saturday, I think they would absolutely be available sometime in the next couple weeks. Okay, another thing, so this question for you, and uh, Ryan, you can answer too. Isn't number 44, isn't that Bo Jackson's nephew? Sean Jackson, I don't think so. Um, I, I think Bo Jackson's Jeff nephew was Shedrick Jackson, uh, who graduated, uh, I think, two years ago. But I, I don't think there's any relation between Bo and Sean. Okay. And uh, so, uh, um, Ryan, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't have any any other information that, that Brent has. I, I do not believe that they're related. I'll, I'll look it up for you, but yeah, I, I think I, that's true. There hasn't been any talk of him being related to Bo, but yeah. So, so, like, do you guys probably see, probably, I know that Hugh Freeze has a contract for six years, but do you probably see, probably after six years, that they'll still name Cadillac the head coach, probably? Uh, not, if, not if Hugh Freeze is successful. I mean, uh, I I definitely think Cadillac's going to have an opportunity to be a head coach one day. Is it at Auburn, somewhere else? I don't know. Uh, but but Hugh Freeze is only in his early to mid fifties, so I, I think he'll plan on coaching more than six years. Now, obviously, if he's not successful, he could be gone before that. Uh, but if he is still the coach through six years, then I would anticipate at that point he would have gotten a contract extension and would keep going. Okay, and then I'll get, like uh, one more question, and I'll try to do crazy. If I don't have time, I'm going to the pool with my aunt, uncle, and stuff. That, but I want to talk about the Florida game, the Florida Arkansas game this week. I know that Florida lost, but they're saying that probably the coach of Florida won't be there, probably coaching this uh, this week. Do you think that I, – I saw like Chad Morris, like fans are looking for Chad Morris to come, but do you think they'll fire the Florida coach and go out to Chad Morris, or how long for years do you think the Florida coach? I don't think Chad Morris will ever be a head coach in the SEC again, even in an interim basis. I think that Billy Napier is in trouble. Uh, they've got McNeese State this this week here, though, so I do not think they're going to have uh, any problem against McNeese State. He will be the coach this week. Uh, I don't think we're to the point of watching out for him on a week-to-week basis, but he certainly does not need to have a bad year this year. Well, I'm saying, say, like, when Florida plays Arkansas, do you think probably say if Florida if Arkansas beats Florida, do you see probably the Florida coach in a hot seat and probably fire him, or do you think also keep him? Yeah, that'd be game nine of the year. So by that point, we'd have to look at Florida's record. It would not be good to lose to Arkansas at home, but again, I think Arkansas is probably a better team. So. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what their record will be at that point. I suppose it would be possible. Uh, he's certainly on the hot. I think he's already on the hot seat. But 
uh, at, at what point do they move it, pull a trigger again? We're going to have to get into conference play before we know how that's going. The the other thing to keep in mind, Matt, uh, yeah, his, his seat is hot right now, but expectations were not very high for Florida this year. I mean, they they were picked down towards the bottom of the East. Uh, most people, most of the predictions out there did not have Florida having a good season this year. So, uh, you know, yeah, Napier's seat is definitely hot, yeah. but it's not really one of those – things if they have a bad year it's not one of those things that's going to be very surprising because they were not expected to have a good year this year do you guys probably see auburn still beating cal still beating in mississippi state uh old miss lsu arkansas uh and again and probably bama and texas a.m yes to some of those no to some others like what like what other what yes and what no and others I, I, so I'm sticking to my my prediction. I'm sticking to my prediction that Auburn goes seven and five. Uh, but I had Auburn winning their first three games. But I think that they, I think they're going to lose some. I, I think they're going to lose some down the stretch. They, they're still trying to build it. They, they are not championship caliber yet. They're still trying to get pieces of their puzzle in place. You know, we'll have to see. But you know, just after, after it's really hard to tell how good or how bad a team is after just one week. Uh, and, and you don't want to jump the gun and think Auburn is like just all of a sudden super good because they beat UMass. I mean, UMass is the one of the worst, if not the worst team in in college football. So you have to kind of pump the brakes on on how good you think Auburn might be. So I, I'm still sticking to my guns at seven and five for Auburn. Well, hey, I was going to ask you before I do trivia. Did you guys hear? Are you, are you guys big Jimmy Buffett fans? I am. Uh, I was a Jimmy Buffett fan. I wouldn't say a big bit Jimmy Buffett fan, but I was definitely a. Uh, I was definitely a fan of Jimmy Buffett. What about you, Ryan and Brent? Were you guys? Yeah, I mean a little bit. I mean, again, I didn't listen to a lot of his music, but I certainly appreciated him and understand the impact that he had. Yeah, I think it was time for him to go. We all got to die after that. But hey, I'm gonna do some trivia. Do you guys have any Jimmy Buffett trivia? I, I've got a Jimmy Buffett trivia question for you. And if you have, if you have like a Jimmy Buffett and maybe an Oakwood voice, country, I can do one of those. Right. Oh, I just, do, just do Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, we'll just do some Jimmy Buffett. So, okay. what 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 was the first college that Jimmy Buffett went to? Auburn. Right. Exactly. He went to Auburn. Where did Jimmy Buffett go to college after Auburn? He was a freshman at Auburn, and my dad didn't know that Jimmy Buffett went there. My dad was at Auburn when Jimmy Buffett was at Auburn. That's right. Well, what college did he? Tra- what college did Jimmy Buffett go to after Auburn? I'm in the SEC. I don't think it was not in the SEC. It, well, not in the SEC conference. It was in the southeastern part of the U.S., but it was not in the SEC. Stanford. No, it's over in Mississippi somewhere. Over in Mississippi. Yeah. Other in Mississippi, either Mississippi, there's Ole Miss, yeah. a Southern Miss. There, it, and, 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 you had it, <laughs> Southern Miss. Okay, Southern Miss. Yeah. And then my last question, and because this is true and dear to my heart, what okay. fr- what fraternity was Jimmy Buffett in at Southern Miss? Because he is a fraternity brother of mine. Yeah, be in a band. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd be in a band. Uh, he was not. He wasn't in the band, as far as I know. But it, it was a fraternity. He's in a fraternity at Southern Miss, and it's the fraternity that I am a proud brother of. I, 
Can you give me another? <laughs> uh, begins with a K and ends with an S. <laughs> the, it starts with a K, ends with an S. Well, it's two words. It's a K and an S. Kickstone. <laughs> You're probably not very familiar with fraternities, but Kappa Sigma. No, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with those things. Uh, J- Jimmy Buffett was a member of the Kappa Sigma fraternity at Southern Miss, and I am also a member of the Kappa Sigma fraternity. Well, so Jimmy Buffett, yeah, he's a fraternity brother of mine. Well, my dad, my dad liked on Jimmy Buffett. He liked the song, like uh, "Sing Me a Song." Uh, what's that song? Oh yeah. I'm over forty and. My dad was down, my dad, and like, I got a question for you guys about Jimmy Buffett. And then we got to let you go, Matt, after this. You guys, you guys know where Jimmy Buffett got his first guitar at? I, I, don't, I know don't know that. In Auburn. Okay. Nice. Well, that makes sense. Well, hey, listen, if you guys see my man, man, Devon Reed, and Day Day, tell I said, Whoa, Eagle! We hey. s- we certainly will, Matt. We hope uh, swimming goes well for you, man. Hey, Tom. What's up? Hey, if your girlfriend Michelle is listening, Michelle, you better be on the show next Monday, or you're gonna owe us all hundred dollars. <laughs> okay, Matt. All right, man. You have a good rest of your day. Right, War Eagle. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Definitely need a timeout. We'll be back with more sports call right after this. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the show. Hope everyone's having a very happy Labor Day on this Monday. Still one more college football game for the week to come up. Clemson and Duke tonight, Walsh Wade Stadium, the Concrete Bowl in Durham. As uh, that will be at 7 o'clock, that will complete week one. We'll have some more week one thoughts for you. Or Really, we haven't had many so far today. We will get to those in a little bit. But want to finish or have at least one more Auburn item here in the 4 o'clock hour. We talked a lot of positives with a sprinkling of a negative or two in the, in the uh, opening segment of the show today. And I only mentioned the, the positives in my opinion. So I want to get to the clear negative in my estimation. I think we would all agree with what I'm about to bring up. It's still the rush defense, still the, yeah. the, the defensive front. So here are the numbers for UMass on Saturday. Karon Adams, their main running back, 14 carries, 101 yards, 7.2 a pop. 
They obviously had some quarterback run game with eight carries, 34 yards, lost 16 due to uh, due to a couple sacks. And then Carlos Davis, their backup, one carry, six yards, a couple other carries spattered out. Overall, the team, 27 carries, 142 yards, 5.2 yards a carry. And, look, you can improve performances. Auburn can get better. It does. It's not as simple as just looking at it and saying, well, if they're giving up five a carry to UMass, there's never going to be a game other than Sanford or New Mexico State where they do better than that. Well, it doesn't always work that way, but if UMass is running backs at seven a pop and the team is over five a pop, uh, early signs are Hugh Freeze was wondering it, we were wondering it, who who was what was more true in the fall? Was it Auburn's ground game good, and maybe the defense would figure it out, or Auburn ground game taking advantage of a a very poor front? Now look, Auburn's ground game is still good. That is true. I, I think they're going to rush the ball pretty successfully this year with multitude of running backs. But nevertheless, the defensive front uh, was not particularly good against UMass, and especially in that run defense. Yeah, uh, and that's one thing that Hugh Freeze mentioned uh, in his press conference is that, and this is a one of those small things. So, you know, kind of it's when you break the film down and you really just get nitpicky on some things. Yeah, I mean UMass ran for a, uh, especially in that first drive, but. Uh, one of the big things that Hugh Freeze talked about was the inability to get off of blocks, to shed blocks. And, and that's something that they're going to have to be able to do because if they're struggling to get off blocks against UMass, then goodness gracious, when they go up against an, an offensive line that is full of just dogs, then you're really going to struggle to get off of blocks. So they've got to figure it out. They've got to figure out their handwork, uh, their, their power, their foot, you know, what, whatever it is that they need to do to, to get off of these and to shed some of these blocks is something that has got to be improved on because, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're allowing offensive linemen to get you and get you out of that gap, then you're going to have people run all over you. And that's what was happening last year is there are times that Auburn's defensive line was getting pushed back instead of making a push forward or just getting run completely out of gaps and things like that. So if they're struggling against that at UMass, then that makes you not feel so good about uh, future on down the road when you start going up against these monsters. Yeah, uh, like Ryan said, it's not going to be a one-for-one. UMass did X, so extrapolate to what Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, all these other teams are going to do to you. But it is cause for concern. Um, And the fact is your defensive line just couldn't get pushed. Your defensive line didn't get pushed. Your off, the offensive linemen of UMass were allowed to get to the second level far too easily and, and block up the linebackers who couldn't get off blocks, and that's what Hugh Freeze was talking about. If you can't stop the UMass run with your three-down linemen and your edge eating up blocks and letting your linebackers run free, you're going to have trouble. You're just going to have trouble moving forward. Now, that is something... You can get better at that during the season, but if Auburn continues to perform like what we saw Saturday, it's going to be a very long season. Auburn did perform better in the pass rush scenarios, and uh, Brant talked a little bit about some of the blitzes that Auburn had, uh, which was definitely aiding that. We saw Donovan Kaufman, who's obviously a defensive back, playing a lot around the line of scrimmage. He was very good at doing that. Uh, Auburn did generate four sacks, uh, seven TFLs on the day. So they they generated the pressure when they blitz. And we know Ron Roberts likes to blitz a lot anyway, so that's going to be a part of who they are. 
but obviously you don't pay for one-on-ones against UMass the way that you might when you're either A, playing really great receivers uh, at SEC schools, or if you're playing really good quarterback play uh, who would who would you know fill the blitz with a with a pass route and, and with a with the ball and, and that sort of thing. It's the, it's going to be the run defense, and we're probably going to harp on it because I think that if you're looking at ways in which Auburn could end up losing games this year, you know, obviously you don't have maybe a whole lot of conviction on. I know for a fact this will be awesome. I think that there are several things that I'm leaning towards are going to end up being good. But if you're looking for the short list of reasons why this team would be prevented from making a, a run this year or having a, a high ceiling, getting to that 8-9 win number that people are optimistic they could still get to, then it is that rush defense. And we, we've talked about the numbers from last year and how they were not good. You're probably sick and tired of me naming, telling you that they were 100th, basically, in rush defense on per attempt last year. Uh, but teams are going to understand that that's the book, and especially when you've got early evidence that Alabama's going to run more this year. You know that Ole Miss can run with Quintron Junkins. You know A&M likes to be balanced. There's still A&M's going to still be – quarterback play is going to be important for them. Um, but you know that they've got a physical line. They're, those are big dudes that are highly touted. So you know that they'll have that ability if they if they want to go the run run route this year. Uh, you know that Arkansas's run more this year. Rocket Sanders is perceived as a top three back in the league. I think that's a fair evaluation. That's a game in Fayetteville that's kind of those 50-50s where it's like, okay, if Auburn wants to achieve a certain ceiling, that, that's a game they need to win, but certainly not a game right. that, like, if you lose, it prevents you from having any season whatsoever. It's one of those tough-to-call games. Uh, but they run the ball more, and Jefferson can run and, and all that. So, again, I'm just – Thinking of the teams, and obviously Georgia will be physical too. I was about to say Georgia uh, with yeah. a just ridiculous right. offensive line and a brand new quarterback that's going to be starting his right. first road, true road game. You've got to think that they'll, they're going to be running. They're yep. going to be running the ball. So most of the teams you play, you make a really good argument for. They're going. They have every right to game plan to run the ball a lot. So this is not something that's going to be a vast secret in the league. Now maybe some teams just don't end up being awesome at it like obviously mississippi state's trying to transition away from air raids so they're going to be running more uh marks their running backs pretty solid but maybe auburn can still overpower that that's still a evolving situation it's a home game and all that but it is it is the concern i i think the secondary is good and i think that they were as as advertised for game one again how it projects out we'll see but Nothing to really be worried about with the with the actual pass defense part of the secondary, but the pass rush could be an element that saves them a little bit. Um, it's the element that could cause a little chaos in previous years, even when the rush defense started to to wane a little bit. And when we analyze some of these other games in just a few minutes from the weekend, the common theme was disrupting the passer, disrupting a good passer is a key to success. So Auburn with four sacks, I mean, that that is that is something from week one, and they didn't even get to play um, some of their what they perceived their best pass rushers. Um, obviously, Steven Sings played a little bit, but he, he didn't really factor in. And then Jalen McLeod's the one that they talked a lot about, but he was, not, he was one of the ones not available, I believe. Uh, so there's still even room to grow there. 
But yeah, it's just it's the rush defense for me, and it's going to be something to monitor. And uh, Tom, let you back in here, but then I've got a point about yeah. Cal too and what they did in Week One. Yeah, uh, yeah, rush defense, like you said, the the, the ability to kind of just disrupt, I guess, is the biggest thing. I will, but to Auburn's credit, there were some times that they that the disruption happened. Disruption is what caused the pick six. They right, they actually absolutely. got some push, and they got back there on their quarterback that made him make a, a throw that was way too quick for what he wanted to do, and Simpson was able to jump in front of it and go pick six. You also forced a fumble. Um, so there were some times that they disrupted, but you've got to see more of it. And I and that's one of the things that Hugh Freeze was talking about is when they're going back and looking at film of all the times that they could not get off blocks of the times that they're uh, maybe an assignment got missed or things like that. But yeah, the run game is it's it's got to it's got to vastly improve because as good as the secondary is, the teams are going to exploit Auburn on that. They they are absolutely going to run at Auburn instead of trying to pass it over. I'm curious to see if they can keep up that level of pass rush without blitzing as much as they did because a lot of this you you are taking advantage of the UMass offensive lineman being too slow to get out and block your corners. I don't think you're going to face that as much in the SEC. I'm curious to see if this pass rush can keep up. To be truly effective as a pass rush in the SEC, you have to be able to get home with four. And I, I, just, I question Auburn's ability to get to the quarterback just rushing four. Because if you have to blitz one of your safeties every time and you're playing that many one-on-one matchups, good offensive lines are going to block it up and good quarterbacks are going to find the holes. Well, I have more thoughts on Auburn's next game, obviously, throughout the week against Cal. But the one thing I wanted to mention, just kind of coinciding with the concerns on the the middle of the line and with the the rush defense, Cal last week against North Texas in their 58-21 victory, 56 carries, 357 yards, 6.4 on the ground per attempt, six rushing touchdowns. And That'll ma- do. Yeah, and their main running back, Jaden Ott, 20 carries, 188 yards, two touchdowns, so over nine yards a carry for their number one back. So, uh, again, Cal will give you – Cal may not give you the complete clue on everything, Auburn, because I'm not sure – you know, they passed it pretty well against North Texas, but not every single thing you need to you need to give them immense credit for on, for doing against North Texas. Uh, but – I still think the one thing that Cal will certainly test Auburn in and the reason why I think they can keep it close is that rushing attack, and we will get a better answer. I think that, again, you may not be able to grade Auburn's offense in its totality based off what they do against Cal, and there's some other things within the, within the game there, but I do think rush defense will give you another good clue uh, against Cal because Cal does prefer to run the ball, uh, and they certainly did a very good job of that in week one. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll branch out a little bit. We'll look at some other games across college football, some big takeaways from week one. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Coming up at 5 o'clock, we will return our conversation towards Auburn with the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. And a little bit later in the 5 o'clock hour, we will get to best and worst of the weekend. But let's branch out a little bit here and get to some of the other games of the weekend. And we'll start by going with the most recent entry and that was florida state and lsu last night uh guys all but one person picked lsu and that was brant he picked florida state so nice job on that one i think that uh with this game guys again a tale of two halves something similar to another game we'll hit on in just a moment north carolina south carolina but Really surprised how Florida State was able to just start to move LSU in that second half. And got to be for LSU a very um, – I'm looking for a stronger word than disappointing, but just a very disappointing start because that's – you start number five in the country, you are a national title contender. Now some will obviously say, well, that ended up being overrated. And you're right, they're clearly not number five, not right now, and probably not this year, period. Or again, at least not right now. But again, you you come into the year off the heels of a ten win season, and and they might very well go nine and three, ten and two. It won't be the year they want to have, but it's not a disaster of a season. But again, to 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 get beat as bad as they did, uh, very very alarming uh, for them. And then from Florida State's point of view, uh, how rewarding that must feel to validate last year's win against LSU and know that. It's you and Clemson, the ACC, and Florida State's got a real playoff chance. Uh, the second half of that game, LSU just did not have an answer. Uh, they they could there's no answer on offense, and then uh, you know when Florida State had the ball, it felt like they just could do whatever they wanted to. Uh, Jordan Travis ends up throwing for 342 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, they had two receivers go over 100 yards. Keon Coleman had 122 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, we mentioned Keon. Uh, he was at Michigan State with Peyton Thorne, and Auburn really, really tried to recruit him hard to try to get him to come down here with Peyton Thorne. He went to FSU instead, and his debut is nine receptions, 122, three touchdowns. Uh, and then Johnny Wilson had 104 yards. But um, – FSU just they they just did whatever they wanted to to LSU in the second half of that game, and that's what surprised me is that LSU just had no answer, and, and that game w- was a full on blowout. Uh, I mean, it's still forty five to twenty four, still lopsided, but I mean LSU scored a touchdown in the waning moments of that game to make it look sort of kind of. Well, Florida State did too. It was it deserved to be a 21-point game. Florida State would have need well, otherwise. And, true. But they, they went and scored with minute 50. They didn't have to. Three, three touchdowns. Well, I, well, again, FSU, again, just kind of doing whatever they wanted to yeah. do, LSU. Um, but, I mean, LSU did put a, a score up in the fourth quarter. But, I, I mean, just a I, – I mean, shocking. Uh, I am surprised that Florida State looks as good as they did – 
I still think LSU is going to be good. I think maybe FSU is just that much better, but there's still things that you got to worry about with LSU. Uh, I mean, just getting their doors blown off. It was shocking that LSU got beat that bad. Yeah, I, you you mentioned it earlier. I predicted FSU would win this game. I'm not going to sit here and act like I thought this was going to happen. I thought this was going to be a really close game, and for the first half it was. I mean, it was 14-14. LSU at the very end of the first half went down, kicked a field goal, took it to halftime. Okay, close game. Then FSU came out and beat him with a hammer. That was a brutal second half, and and like I touched on earlier, you just don't see ACC teams do that, especially not to SEC teams, and like Tom said, FSU did everything they wanted to in that one. I really like FSU this year. Uh, coming off of 10 wins last season, uh, Jordan Travis is back. They got Keon Coleman like we've been talking about. That offensive line that offensive line room over the past couple of years, you look at the details of it, it's been totally reworked. I don't, I don't have names and details, but uh, you look at FSU and how many good offensive linemen they've gotten over the past couple of years, and it showed. They looked like a really good offensive line against an LSU team that I still think is going to be pretty good. I think they're going to be a top 15 team uh, by the time this year ends, LSU. Uh, I, I honestly think that second half was more Florida State is really good than LSU is really bad. Yeah, because, again, I, I think that if you if you want to make an argument for LSU, which I, I understand not many people are going to do, I'm just providing you an <laughs> argument, is that they – really dilly-dallied away a couple scores in the first half. They were in the red zone. They moved the ball right down the field. They didn't get fourth and short. So, you know, they had first and goal at two. They had no points out of that. Even if they simply kick field goals at six more points, it's a two-possession game all of a sudden uh, at the end instead of three. Uh, if you just execute in the red area, because, again, coming up to empty twice, if you execute in the red area, you have two more touchdowns. Then all of a sudden, this is a game. even with Florida State having a triumphant fourth quarter, this is a game till the end. And then also, it hadn't even gone really awry in the third quarter. There wasn't a lot of possession in the third quarter. They were kind of longer possessions, field goal to start the quarter for Florida State to tie it. Uh, then a touchdown drive that took four or five minutes. LSU was at midfield, down a touchdown to start the fourth quarter, and the immediately first play of the quarter while they're playing the, the Norvell interview, Daniels throws the interception when, I believe, neighbors or somebody fell down. So if that's just third and ten at, around midfield, who knows what kind of game you have. You talk about even in a game like this, still two or three plays kind of ultimately decide the game. You talk about the end of the, the trips in the red area where LSU did not score in the first half, and you talk about that interception in the fourth quarter. So if you're trying to form a argument where I just think that LSU just had a very unfortunate sequence and just got nothing out of that game, I still think they're winning nine or ten, ga- or ten games. You know, you can you can use that argument and say, well, really, even that, even with bad red zone play in the first half, if that interception doesn't happen, who knows how that fourth quarter transpires? Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing I was gonna, I mean, if you kind of look at LSU, one of the glaring things that jumps out at you is their their lack of a rushing right. attack. That's what I. Yep. Uh, Jaden Daniels threw for 347 yards, a touchdown. He did have the interception that you talked about. But Jaden Daniels was also their leading rusher at, at 64 yards. But one of those or a, one of those rushes, of 60, he had 64 total. He also had a long of 40. Right. Uh, their next guy, Josh Williams, had 44 yards rushing. Well, he had a long of 35. And it, so outside of those two yep. long rushes, their, their rushing attack was – done no, right. nothing no i had done the math on that earlier prepared to talk about this angle that 35 yard run 
was right before the end of the first half. If you right. recall, LSU was about to just go in the half. It was the third down. They didn't really care. And Florida State thought they were going to throw. LSU ran wide open hole. Right. No one was over there. Got the, that's the, That was the 35 Josh Williams game. The other 11 carries by running backs, just by running backs, was 11 carries for 14 yards. Yeah. That's bad. Nothing. That is Whole bad. lot of nothing. And so that showed you that even throughout, because that's why it didn't work well in the red zone, because Florida State was tough up front. And then it became it, it became transitive onto the offense in the fourth quarter when LSU started to get demoralized. Florida State then just ran right at them. Yeah. No, no pass rush anymore. No tackling. It was just over. Uh, their, their spirit was broken, basically. Uh, and so... From LSU's side of this to wrap their side up, then we'll get Florida State side. Uh, again, it was just that. It was a demoralizing victory that they were going pound for pound with them to everyone's surprise, again, that the physicality Florida State was matching. And then Florida State overwhelmed them in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. I still thought Jane Daniels was pretty good. A couple key drops. Florida State was victim of that in the first half. Then the second half, LSU had a couple key drops uh, that, that would have been big plays. And so... Again, LSU has every right to be very disappointed, and they were demoralized in that game. They don't need their season to be demoralized. I don't think that was an awful football team and an awful game. I thought that they had awful moments that led to an awful result. From Florida State's side of things, this is incredibly awesome because I've already talked about how I almost – and it's college football. This is dangerous. I'm going to say this. They're going to beat Clemson, and then they'll mess up in November to somebody they shouldn't. <laughs> But essentially, if you wanted to argue they have a two-game season, you could. They have no other ranked teams on their schedule except for Clemson. Now, could Pitt end up being decent? Yeah, Pitt could be decent. Miami could be decent. Sure, they'd be eight-win programs. Fine. But, again, not anyone with any sort of real teeth. They don't play the the third-best team in the ACC, which I believe is North Carolina. So they've got Clemson. And that is in September. It's not far. They got Southern Miss at Boston College, who went, had a whoops this week. Uh, I, I feel like we need to do. I don't. You know, ESPN does Friday fun funnies. I don't know if we need to do like Monday mayhem or or yeah. Mon, just Mon, not even make it uh, with the same letters. Just do Monday whoops and have teams <laughs> that just should not have lost to teams and they did. Uh, and Boston College. Uh, I who I forgot who it was. Toledo maybe. I'm going to double check. Boston College lost to Northern Illinois, uh, no. fellow MAC team, lost to Northern Illinois at home. And uh, Auburn connection in in that vein of things, Texas State and TJ right. Finley the, the beat Baylor. More more Monday whoops. Yeah. yeah. Um, Texas State beating Baylor, uh, and then Wyoming beating Texas Tech. Yep. Um, but that was a really fun game, by the way. I don't know if y'all stayed up yeah, to watch that one, but that I was did. awesome. That was a good way to end the evening. Double OT. No reason in the world to root against Wyoming. Wy- Wyoming's yeah. last touchdown of uh, of. Blit, the blitz, yeah, the yeah, blitz where the quarterback yeah. gets cut in half and just lets yep. it go as he, and it's the tight end. Right where the, where the blitz came from. Yep, good. Usually a good idea. Yep, yep. So Florida State becomes regulation. That's the word on pa- on paper. Florida State has a one game scenario to try to get in the playoff. Now you can say ACC title game, sure. If they're twelve and zero with a win over a good LSU team and a, a Clemson team that hopefully does not fall apart for them. You could argue it'll it'll depend on other scenarios, but there'd be a possibility that they'd still make the playoff even with a loss. Uh, again, we'll have to see, way too early start going there, but that's that would be in play for them. 
But certainly a one-game scenario here to lock themselves into an ACC title game and lock themselves into having a great chance at a playoff. They will go to Clemson September 23rd. I thought it was very important that Jordan Travis struggled for a segment of this game. He had like a two- or three-drive stretch where he was having the the yips. He was just kind of throwing it up through the interception right after the drop punt by LSU. At that point, I thought that game was going to get drunk. It then ended up normalizing after that. But we went drop punt and interception and back-to-back plays. And I thought it was very important for Travis to have a little bit of a bad segment, get much better. He's a Heisman candidate in a lot of people's minds, and he is kind of the face of this uh, this return to, to prominence for Florida State these last 10, 12 games, essentially, 13 games. And so that, if you're Florida State, you were physical, you protected him pretty well against an LSU defense that should be able to rush the passer well. You, you ran on him in the second half. Uh, you, you got to them a little bit, but you certainly didn't let them run at all. And then you know that you did get the quarterback play you expected out of Travis. He was resilient. I don't know what you can pick at from Florida State side of thing. I mean, that that looked really good. Yeah, I think they did look really good. Another guy that we can highlight, I think his last name is Branch um, for for Florida State. Their defensive lineman wears number five. I, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, but it was just a force all night long. He stood out, uh, and that kid, uh, it, I think he's number five in Mel Kuyper's big board right now, so uh, number five on the board, number five in your program, uh, and just an absolutely terrifying defensive lineman. Yeah, I know they had uh, Tatum Bethune led them in tackles. He was 15. He was a linebacker. Um, uh, Ronaldo Green had four tackles. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out which one it was. I, I, I was not – I was focused – again, my bad. I was focused on the LSU side of things and, and just picking apart what was happening to them. But, uh, again, the fact that they were able to stymie the run that way, they did create four sacks on Daniels, which is not an insignificant number. I mean, if you sack – have four sacks a year, you're going to be towards the top of the FBS in yep, sacks. Yep. Uh, so in a real game, four sacks is a real thing. Uh, so again, Florida State checked a lot of boxes. Time to talk about one more game briefly here. Um, I'm not going to minimize Colorado to just a couple minutes. I'll minimize Carolina, South Carolina uh, to a couple minutes. Kind of the same thing in a nutshell, if you wanted to look at it from a very macro view. The SEC team having a pretty productive first half. They have their moments where it looks like they could gain some control uh, playing really well. Second half, the ACC team overwhelms the SEC team at the line of scrimmage. Uh, North Carolina thought that they had rented some property in South Carolina's backfield when it came to rushing the passer. Nine Eight, nine sacks. North Carolina as a team had 17 last year they have their entire total from last year in one game this year and so for south carolina you're thinking man i i mean and look i I, they said on the broadcast gene chizik said the front seven was carolina's strong point of defense that they're worried about their defensive backfield fine but if north carolina's in your backfield all day why isn't georgia gonna be in your backfield all day uh, why isn't Tennessee going to create some havoc? Why aren't all the games Texas A&M because you play them every year? All the, and Clemson. I mean, that was – Rattler played well. He did what he could, yeah. but he just had no chance when you're running for your life every play. Yeah. That was the craziest part to me is he threw for like 330 yards after getting sacked yeah, nine fine. times. It was good. wasn't him. Yeah. did what he could. Gene Chizik, man. 
Gene Chisdom. Gene's dad. Gene Dagum Chizik. Um, He's a really good DC. That when that's what I was going to say. Uh, failure as a head coach. Yes, he did win a national title. I get that, but uh, you know, not a good head football coach. But as a defensive coordinator, the dude has been successful everywhere he's been, and he gets guys in there that can play. His schemes are great, and yeah, they absolutely just yeah, Molly Wall, yeah. <laughs> um, but then you know, for UNC, Drake May, their quarterback, yeah. another guy that a lot of people are looking at as potential Heisman Trophy type guy. He throws for two sixty nine and two touchdowns, but he also had the two right. picks. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, North Carolina, they 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 did what they did. They also avoided. Uh, in fact, the uh, me and Ryan were texting, and I it was it was blowout, and I was like goodness i was like you know north carolina i was like your heels making a making a statement here and about that time they had the turnover right and i said that's why i said rut row raggy yeah but i just wanted to be radio silent after that i just wanted to let it let it run but but they but they didn't let it affect them that's that's just the thing is they 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 withstood any sort of thing that went wrong or any sort of little punch that carolina would try to throw at or excuse south carolina would run out i will i will (laughs) <laughs> I'll be vicious about that. You got to remember, we're talking about two Carolinas here. <laughs> um, but any little punch that South Carolina had, or any mistake that North Carolina made, they didn't let it derail what they had going on. Uh, and so they they outscore South Carolina fourteen to three in the second half of that game. End up with a thirty-one to seventeen victory. Uh, and yeah, uh, Spencer Adler again. Yeah, had a great game, but just they. North right. Carolina's defense was just too much for him. It's the impact of having a pass rush, right? Again, yeah. if you're going to be good at something and bad at something defensively, this is why I worry a little bit about Auburn, especially the middle. I would rather be good up front and bad and figure it out in the backfield, yep. in the defensive backfield, than be really good in the back and be very questionable up front. Because Rattler had, again, as you guys said, belaboring the point here, over 300 yards, did all the things he wanted to do when he was able to throw the ball. He was not always able, and South Carolina was not able to run the ball. Yes, they had a negative rush total, but obviously a lot of sacks can disrupt that. No, because they're two backs. Uh, on Joyner, 12 carries, 23 yards. He wasn't going anywhere. It's 1.9 a carry. And Juju McDowell, 5 carries, negative 1. So the two main backs, 17 carries, 22 yards. So they were going absolutely nowhere. Uh, in any way with that offensive line. So that's very concerning for South Carolina. And, yes, obviously I root for the heels. Uh, the best game day sign was, South Carolina, you are literally beneath us. No. And that is exactly how it worked out at that line of scrimmage. South Carolina was having a lot of trouble. Struggles in the run game, uh, but also uh, in the receiving, they're probably going to need to try to find somebody outside of Xavier Leggett. Yeah. I mean, nine catches, 178 yards. I mean, that was half the receiver. That's half of the receiving yards, but one guy. So, yeah. yeah. So, again, I take great pride in that. Real Carolina, 31 South, 17. All right. uh, Out of time for hour number two. When we come back in hour number three, a sports call five at five. We'll do five statistical performances from Auburn versus UMass. A few more thoughts on that. A few more thoughts from the college football world. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan LaVoy, Brant Domtree, Tom Peavy. Try not to drop things here on this Monday I'm a bull in a china shop. He's <laughs> knocking stuff all over the place. I uh, hope everyone is having a great uh, Labor Day today. Uh, let's start off here, hour number three. We will get to Colorado in just a little bit. Let's start off with some more Auburn, and let's use the Sports Call 5 at 5 to do it. The Sports Call 5 at 5 is presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. For the Sports Call 5 at 5 today, we're going to look at some of the statistical performances that stood out for Auburn in their decisive victory over UMass. So let's start off with... Number one. Robbie Ashford's ground game was in full force. Nine carries, 51 yards, three rushing touchdowns all in the first half. Of course, he did have a few pass attempts, but just two of six there. But again, three rushing touchdowns for Robbie Ashford, so a very successful start to that package of plays that he's projected to have in the red zone. So produced uh, really to the best of his ability there. Number two. Mentioned him a little bit earlier, too. Eugene Asante led Auburn in tackles. He had six tackles. He had half a sack and a tackle and a half for a loss. He's someone that met with the media uh, in game week last Monday, the North Carolina transfer in his second year with the program. And Asante, very productive. Again, the linebacker room needed improvement from last year. Asante was an improvement there in week one. Hopefully he can continue that sort of play. Number three. Is Jay Fair. He was the most targeted uh, player for the Tigers and led the, the team in catches. Five catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Someone that we didn't spend maybe as much time on as we could have in the fall as uh, we were kind of focused on some of those new guys like Shane Hooks and uh, Nick Mardner and, and Jair Shorter, the list goes on. But Jay Fair was very productive for the Tigers, again, leading in receptions with five catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Number four. Another newcomer to the Tigers, Jeremiah Cobb, five carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown, had a 40-plus yard run. He did not quite lead the team in rushing, but uh, early returns were good on Jeremiah Cobb. We were in the post-game press conference, which he Freeze said that he told Jeremiah Cobb he would score his first collegiate rushing touchdown. Uh, uh, again, first collegiate rushing touchdown in that game, and he sure did. Cobb looked productive, as really all the running backs did 
in game one. Again, Cobb, five carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Number five. Was newcomer Keldrick Falk, who, again, was very good in the limited time he played. I think Auburn's trying to kind of ease him into it a little bit. In that third quarter, he was very disruptive, though. Three ta- three tackles, a half a sack, and a tackle, and a half for a loss. And it was from the very first play Falk was in there that he started to make an impact. So Keldrick Falk with three tackles, half a sack, and a tackle and a half for a loss. That's the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Again, Robbie Ashford, nine carries, 51 yards, three touchdowns. Eugene Asante, six tackles, a half a sack, tackle and a half for a loss. Jay Fair, five catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Jeremiah Cobb, five rushes, 57 yards, and a touchdown. And Keldrick Falk, three tackles, half a sack, and tackle half for loss. Of those five guys, Brant, uh, anything in particular impress you or felt, feels more important than some of the rest? What, what stood out of those five? We mentioned this a little bit earlier, but Jeremiah Cobb, not him specifically, but the fact that every running back that got in had success. Uh, I think that's indicative of one, the offensive line is better than it's been in a while. And two, you've got guy you've got depth at that offense at that running back position, excuse me. You've got depth at that running back position that uh, I, I think is it's going to help you. You're going to need that. Depth at that running back position, it's one of the easiest positions to get hurt, and it's one of the positions that if you have fresh legs at, it, it's so much easier to be an effective football team. So I think that Auburn's success rushing the football with multiple guys specifically is going to be huge going forward. Another thing that I saw that uh, you, you didn't mention but statistically I think is impressive, Auburn used seven different combinations of offensive linemen in this game. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, Gunnar Britton played three different positions on that offensive line. So the fact that you were rotating guys in and out and still having success, that offensive line is better and deeper than it's been in some time. And I guess the proof of that in some ways is that every running back was successful because while some of them played with the first string line, not all of them did. And certainly different combinations throughout. I mean, again, I, I didn't name Sean Jackson. I, I wanted to point out Cobb because, again, of the expectations he has of being the four-star recruit and how that was a, a big recruiting deal to get him and all that. Uh, but Sean Jackson technically led the team with rushing five for 64, and then even Justin Jones came in there with four for 33 on the last drive. Auburn could have added one more touchdown if it wanted to. It took knees inside of the 10-yard the line there at the end. Uh, but – I mean, that's also kind of proof in the pudding. Not that Sean Jackson can't run or anything of that, because I think Sean Jackson's been impressive literally every time he's played. But it's that, obviously, the offensive line are still moving people the way they need to move people uh, if those guys are still averaging seven, eight, nine, ten yards of rush, too. So uh, good stuff from that offensive line, as, as you said, Brant. Let's transition in now to we talked a couple SEC matchups that were relevant in the week. Start opening up as a whole – and obviously the talk of the college football world uh, throughout the weekend really was uh, Colorado with a very impressive win over against the defen- defending national runner-up TCU team, 45-42. to My opening thought is, look, I want it to be about the play. I don't want it to be about the other stuff, you know, how people can get too hyped about certain things and – then there was starting to chatter about what Dion was talking about the post game presser. I want to focus on the fact that Colorado was a one win team last year that immediately went out and beat. I don't know if TCU is going to be overly confident this year, but at least something. They beat a team that obviously had a big year last year, 
and it was a real win for the Colorado program, and they look damn fun doing it. That's the other thing here is whether the win-loss thing, again, that's why I don't want people to get too hyped about it because I don't want to get too focused on what they will actually accomplish in the big picture this year. That was just a very fun football team and a very fun football game on Saturday. That was I, – I have voiced my skepticism on Deion Sanders, and, and some of it still remains. We'll see how he does going forward. But I expected TCU to win this game. I know that they've lost a lot of players, but I still think Sonny Dykes is a really good coach. And I I expected them to kind of it, it kind of be close for three quarters and TCU to pull away at the very end, win by 10 to 17 points. That didn't happen because Colorado's offense especially is, an, is like you said, really fun. Shador Sanders threw for a school record, what, 501 yards in this 510. game? 510. Yep. 510. yards four for touchdowns. Shador Sanders and four touchdowns. Four wide receivers had over 100 yards receiving. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a stat line quite like that one. Travis Hunter was one of those four wide receivers that had over 100 yards receiving. By the way, started both ways in this game, had an interception, almost had a touchdown, it got overturned. But... He's the real deal, and he was not tired after the game. He played like 120 snaps. This is a really, really fun Colorado team, and I think very ahead of schedule. I don't know how good either of these teams ends up being when we reach uh, January, but I think that Colorado is very much ahead of where I expected them to be. So uh, I'm going to say this. The outcome of that did not surprise me because I I have been on the Deion Sanders train for two years now, I know I've been one of those that's been beating the beating my chest that that's who Auburn needed to hire, uh, and everybody said I was crazy, and I had said I thought he was going to do well uh, as a head coach. Again, we'll see what happens down the road, um, but I mean, sixty-eight new scholarship players on that team. Uh, they they go in there and take care of business, but the thing that got me is how much they were able to do. If there was going to be a a strength of TCU this year, it was going to be their defense because they did return seven. They only had three returning on offense, but they do have seven on defense and just got lit up. Um, I, I, I'm also not surprised because I had said that TCU, I thought was the most overrated. When you look at the, at the preseason rankings, I thought that TCU was one of those that was probably ranked way too high for what they had, for what they lost. And, I just felt that they were way too uh, overranked. That being said, you know, I thought Colorado would win that game. I just didn't realize it was going to be a show like that. Now, going forward, we'll have to see. Colorado did give up 42 points. They, you know, right, they, to an offense that only, to an offense that three only returns three starters. Yeah. They gave up 42 points. <laughs> they just have an offense that was electric right. with, with Shador – and Travis Hunter and, and, and all these other guys. Uh, you know, Dylan Edwards had five catches for 135 yards. They're good. They're, they are going to be much better than a one uh, a one win team. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> they, they're definitely going to be better than that. We'll see what happens. But uh, they are fun. They, they're absolutely fun. And right now, you know, very early in the season when you're talking about Heisman Trophy. I mean, they've got two dudes that are at the top of the Heisman list right now in Shador Sanders and, and, and Travis Hunter. Uh, Travis Hunter with 129 snaps. He had 11 catches for 119 yards and had an interception on an incredible, a, an incredible diving interception. Yep. He intercepted the wheel route. Wheel yeah. route's undefeated. <laughs> no. It's hard to do. 
Yeah. And diving interception there was impressive. Uh, so very impressive with Colorado. Very impressive with uh, what Deion Sanders is already getting going there. I mean, the, the excitement is building there in Boulder. And, uh, yeah, we'll just see if they can keep it going. But a very impressive start. They, they've got to definitely shore some things up on defense. So you can't be giving up 42 points and survive. But, uh, I mean, if you're scoring 45 and just putting up arcade-like numbers, then – you might be able to survive without a defense that's really very good. I would love to look this up. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm trying to think the last time that I saw a game where four wide receivers had over 100 yards. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I've seen that because not, that doesn't mean like yeah, okay, quarterback threw for 510. That's insane. Right. What's more insane is that he did that throwing to like so 10 different guys. Distributed. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jimmy Horn. Jimmy Horn Jr. had 11 catches, 117. Xavier Weaver, 6 for 118. Travis Hunter had 11 catches for 119. And then I mentioned Dylan Edwards, 5 for 135. So, yeah, they're definitely spreading it, spreading it around. And then you had some other guys with catches too. So, uh, Shador was spreading it around. Uh, 510 yards, but he was 80%. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other impressive thing is that uh, this is not like a team that was just like throwing it every single down like you see. He was doing doing all all the things that you – need him to do because they even got down to like a fourth and three Mm -hmm. at the 40-yard line down with four and a half minutes left and throws where the blitz comes from just as he should. Running back just goes forever and a day along the sidelines, used his speed. This is what I want in teams that are just decent because in the scheme of things, again, that defense is a problem and it will prevent them from winning some games. Colorado and USC might not punt. That that game, you you to your credit, Tom said that's something that could be on USC could end up being on our radar in the first half of right. USC schedule because otherwise it's all in the back half for USC. Right. That game might that might that might be the Ole Miss and Alabama game from two or three years ago that was sixty three forty nine. Right. When John Rice Plumley ran for hundreds of yards and uh, that just was a track meet. Yeah. Uh, and Alabama yeah. had something crazy where they didn't get like 24 of their possible yards. Like they got every yard, but like 20 or 30 yards possible that they could have gotten. Um, so that that could be Colorado USC this year. But that's what I want in teams that are just decent seven or eight win teams. Be fun. Be that that that's going to be fun all year. That's going to be high-scoring games. You're always going to care about what Travis Hunter's doing. You're going to want to see what Shooter Sanders is doing. Obviously, Dion, you already cared about. As opposed to someone like Iowa, who wants to make our eyes bleed by beating Utah State 24-14. to Iowa's going to somehow win eight games, and it's going to be the least fun thing I've ever seen in college football. They will win 16-12. to Scores that don't even make sense, and that's how Iowa do it. But Colorado, no matter what the win loss is, they're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch doing it. Yeah, I, the, the other thing, and I, 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 I wish people would. Tr- I wish folks would try to stop making controversy out of anything with Colorado right now. It's like, I, I yeah, there were doubters. I mean, there's going to be doubters anytime. But I mean, there's people that are like kind of going overboard with some of the stuff that they're saying and trying to make a. a uh, you know, a mound out of nothing. It's like, geez, come on now. There should not be anything controversial. There, you know, just let it be. It's a fun. It's a fun team to watch, and there, there should not be anything controversial about any of it. But there's people trying to make stir pots, and it's like, gosh, just 
Stop. Yeah. Why can't we just have fun with this and enjoy what we're watching instead of making a issue out of something? Yeah. The, I think the the reasoning behind that, as long as Deion Sanders is Deion Sanders, he is who he is. He's very loud and proud and in your face, and he doesn't know any other way to be. As long as he does not act like most other coaches in college football and he has success, people are going to look at him and say he's doing it the wrong way, even if Colorado ends up being really good. Uh, I think there are race issues that you can get into that as well. Um, I'm certainly not the person to ask, but I, I think that as long as Dion keeps winning, people are going to eat, start eating their words. Yeah. Uh, they're 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 going to be fun to watch the the whole way and I, I it's definitely I, an interesting experiment that I think every college football fan in America is going to be paying attention to. Yeah, I I mean I I I saw it coming. I I had a feeling this dude was going to be good. It's just I mean he's going to bring in top caliber athletes. I mean for goodness sakes, Travis Travis Hunter that we talked about. Everybody got to remember. Number two overall player rated in the country coming out of high school and chose to go to Jackson State instead of a bigger time school. And then, of course, he follows he follows Dion to Colorado and he puts on the show and shows why he was the number two rated player in the country. So they're going to be fun to watch. And I'm definitely going to be curious to see what happens that Southern Cal game because that's going to be their first Colorado's first real big home game. It's it's early in the season uh, and. Man, I, I just can't even imagine what the atmosphere is going to be like in Colorado for that. I, that might be one of those that college game day is at. Got a couple of phone calls to get to. Let's get to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401, locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good, guys. I had opportunities. Like, you know, last time I talked to you, all I told you I was going to get my smart TV together, and I got it together where I can see my ball I tell you, I had no what I saw this weekend. Uh, the first game I saw was Colorado and TCU. I had no idea that I was going to see a, a guy move up from uh, Division One AA, little boy football, if you will, throw for five hundred some yards. You had four receivers, a hundred yards apiece. And then you had a running back that had a fairly good day. I think they brought him out of the backfield a time or two, and he made some big plays. And then you had Travis Hunter. I have never seen. I don't think anybody ever seen a player play 129 snaps uh, both ways, be a big man on defense, intercepting the ball, had a pass breakup, uh, a few tackles here and there, showed up when he needed to show up, and then on offense uh, had a kind of production like that. I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah, I, it, it was impressive. Uh, but but the, the other thing, and I, I also want to remind people about Shador Sanders, is – yeah, okay, he started at Jackson State. I get that. Shador Sanders was a highly, highly rated quarterback, a highly recruited quarterback coming out of high school. He was a four-star kid that turned down offers from a lot of other folks to go to Jackson State. So it's not like he was just this unknown commodity that, that went to Jackson State and played uh, HBCU ball and is, and is now here showing out. It, no, he was good. He was really, really good when he went to Jackson State. And same thing with, uh, with Travis Hunter. So it, it's not like Colorado doesn't have players. I mean, uh, of the 68 new scholarship guys, I mean, he cleaned house. He brought in a bunch of transfers. And, I mean, they're top caliber dudes that he brought in there. So – he, he's stacking their roster, and so that's why it's not surprising that they won a game like that because he 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 cut the fat on the guys that were going one and eleven and brought in almost an entire new roster. You know, a couple of years ago when I called and we talked about this thing, if y'all remember, you know, when I told you guys that uh, 
when Stewart made that decision, he followed his father down there, even though he was a big-time recruit, that he really wasn't worried about anything. His daddy has all the connections with NFL scouts and owners. You get him a tryout tomorrow with, with that kind of pedigree. I mean, you know, I did mention that. But, you know, uh, I want to move forward here a little bit. You know, when you look at, uh, like we talked about, getting rid of the entire roster, if I'm not mistaken. Did he get rid of all 85 or was it 80 scholarship players that he, that he got rid of and, and went in that portal and, and and brought all those guys in? Is that correct? Or, or I, I can't remember the exact number. It was Maybe in the six. Time yeah, there, there, later. Well, there are 68 new scholarship players on the roster. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, yeah it's 68. Quite, maybe not every single person, but it's very close. It's very, yeah. So as unconventional as that is, the, the the way things are set up, that transfer portal, that just made it a reality. Somebody just had to have the guts to actually go ahead and pull that trigger and actually do something that drastic to uh, go ahead and get rid of 68 players that you knew that weren't going to be able to contribute or help you in any kind of way and be willing to gamble on the portal to bring in another 68 players that you only had uh, – I guess uh, fall camp, as far as uh, any kind of X and O's, uh, really, since spring had then got out of the way, and then come out and those guys play like that. So I'm thinking that if he can get the, like he said, if he can get the big dogs on that defense offensive line that he needs, because he did a press conference and he said, if y'all are listening, if I can get you here, I already got skill players, so if I can get you here, I can get comfortable and we can win some games and get in a championship or whatnot. It's going to be something to see now because, you know, uh, I was telling some, my brother the other day, uh, a lot of high school kids that probably already committed, but ain't nobody signed yet, sit there and watch that game on national television. They saw the relationship. They saw how he got all, getting along with his players, how, how everything is vibing and going in a certain direction. Some of those people that may have committed may at some point this season, depending on how things go down there, may very well change their mind and end up signing there in December. No, I I agree, and and that's that's why I have been on the Deion Sanders hype train uh, as him as a head coach is because there there are kids that will go and play for him just because of it being Deion Sanders and the the culture that he is building around that team and, and everything that is something that a lot of these high school kids are very attracted to, and so I think he's going to do great. I, I think he's going to just start killing it on the recruiting front. And and the transfer portal because yeah I mean you got guys that are in programs that maybe they get bored at or or whatever and they want to go play for a guy like Dion I th- I think I think the sky's the limit for them as long as he stays there. You know I think I had mentioned to y'all earlier in a previous phone calls or a couple years ago or whatever it was that that you know when you look at something like this like this kind of coach with this kind of personality and charisma. And he got people like Michael Irvin coming in talking to the players. He got these rappers like uh, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Ice Cube that, that a lot of these music that these guys listen to and identify. And those people are actually there in the locker room or a weight training program. He brings them in at different times and let them talk or, or be visible around there. That's gonna, I mean, that's gonna make a lot. Of, that's too gonna make a lot of people want to go that way. But I want to move on now to what I saw last night. Now. Did we see a more, much improved Florida State Seminoles, or we saw the worst of the LSU team you could possibly see? I, I, so if I had to choose one of those, I just think FSU is that darn good. I, I think they are really, really good. I think LSU maybe not as good as they thought and is maybe not as good as a lot of people thought, but I still think LSU is pretty darn good. I think they're going to compete for the West. I just think FSU is just loaded. Uh, I mean, they're wow. they're 
Man, FSU looked good. I'll tell you my take on this thing. What I saw last night at LSU, I think the West is wide open. I think it's anybody's win now. I don't think it's just going to, uh, like I had thought. You know, I had told y'all I thought Auburn would probably be 8-4, and 9-3 on a good day if they could stand up and beat a team, go toe-to-toe, jaw-to-jaw, and pull it out at the last second. Now I'm going to say Auburn could possibly win 10 games or more. Well, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I, I think uh, this thing is wide open. I think the West is, is just anybody's win now. I don't, I, don't, I don't see it the way I once saw it. Of course, I could be wrong, but I'm going to wait and see what Bama does uh, coming up this weekend. But right now, that's just what I think. I, I mean, I think Auburn could definitely uh, surprise some people, but I, I've, I've got some real think, big concerns with Auburn on the defensive side of things that it's going to end up costing them. And I'm and the running game, Auburn's running game is great. Uh, I need, I want, and need to see more uh, passing. Production, I guess, more consistency and maybe some, you know, more stuff going on instead of, you know, winning some 50 50s against UMass. I, I want to see kind of that route tree and, and see that Peyton Thorne can actually diagnose and do that stuff on a consistent basis. So I'm kind of still concerned about the passing game and I'm very, very concerned about the defensive front. That's going to cost Auburn some games. I, I, I really would be stunned if Auburn. I I would be shocked beyond shocked if they got to ten wins. Nine is like oh man, we 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 pulled some out of our rear end to get to nine. I think eight is very doable. I'm still sticking with seven, but I think eight is doable. Ten is man, that's a, that's kind of a pipe dream. Well, I tell you what, this weekend I give them a chance to get a little bit more tune up. I, I think they should go ahead and, and do what they need to do and, and beat California Bears out out of on that West Coast. Uh, only thing is, it can keep the guys focused. They don't get out there, big eyes and things. And you know, I've been to California, spent a week out there visiting. You know, uh, that's a big whole culture shock, big whole new environment. So, if they don't get out there and get too big eyed and, and stay focused and don't mess around and get in the wrong thing while they're out there, I, you know, hey, I think they'd be all right. Yeah, I, and I mean, there that's possible. But I mean, there's also the real possibility that there's more Auburn fans in that stadium than Cal fans because that's just not a school that really full-on supports that that football program they right they they don't uh, it's it's cal berkeley i mean they're they're very uh studious school they're they're very you know that's located outside of san francisco isn't it yeah it, it's a yeah okay. it's out there in the in the bay area in in okay. berkeley and okay. you know they're right there near stanford so okay. um it, yeah i mean it, it's in that bay area but i mean cal berkeley is it, it's very you know intellectual school it's right. it's not a football thing uh i mean they're, they're, be, they're better than vanderbilt as a football program but i mean, I mean intellectual you know when you said intellectual oh no they're, it, they're not above vanderbilt no, yeah 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 but i'm just saying i mean cal berkeley yeah. is it's it they're more they're more known for their academics than they are their football yeah. program well what time is the kickoff Nine thirty central Nine thirty central time it's at night or in the morning oh at night oh at night well, it's nine thirty central because that's what yes, six, that's six okay. or seven so out there. Pacific time. Oh, oh, wow! That's gonna be a late one then. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a night game for out there in California, but it's a super night game when you're over here towards the east oh, coast. Oh man, ain't too many people gonna like that. Then I mean, that, being that late. Uh, Hugh Free oh. said it today. He does, he doesn't. If he had his choice, he wouldn't be going out to California anyway. But this was already made before he got here. So. Well, yeah, that schedule's already so many years advanced. Uh, Wish they could, TV could have done something where they could have had a, a afternoon kickoff or something. Then to play that late. Yeah, well, they they like to take advantage of Pac-12 teams out on the on the West Coast for for give you something late at night. 
We've got so, another uh, call we got to get to, okay, Anthony. Thanks, guys. All right. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate it. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We have time for another call before our next break. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you this afternoon? Man, I'm doing great. I hate you cut Anthony off to get to me because he's a lot smarter than I am. But I think he may have a pipe dream, maybe a crack pipe dream. Man, I it's... When he said, the, I can't believe the first person on this program this year, I told you it was going to come, to huh. say that they win 10 games is an Alabama fan. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, I would have lost so that bet. He, he wants yeah, the Iron Bowl to look better for Alabama, I think is what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Because <laughs> I, go, I go, man, uh, hey, it's opening weekend of Dove season last weekend, right? Or this weekend, last weekend. I've been on four dove hunts, haven't watched the first down of football, right? Because everything was supposed to be a gimme until, you know, uh, last night, right? So right. I flipped over there. Okay. Ryan, didn't we? You did it just Friday, didn't you? That we talked together. Did you take LSU over Alabama no. in the West? No, oh, I have never once you said didn't? that. No, I, absolutely not. Okay. But 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 okay. No, but, I, pr- I promise you, you can go back and listen. I have never. No, I've said no, since sure. it's in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But I was just wondering, as the game stand right now, has the besides LSU, has the top ten changed any? I haven't watched enough. I know Ole Miss scored seventy three. Some teams are blowing teams out by eighty something. Right. Right. But have have your has your top team, 10 no. teams in the country, you think it's going to change? Yeah, other than LSU, I would say no. We got do have Clemson at Duke tonight. Got to make sure Clemson doesn't have a bad performance. But uh, yeah. otherwise, no, I mean, you, you might – I don't know if you, you – you probably move forward to state up above like Penn State, maybe USC. And, yeah. Uh, you know, somewhere around that fourth, fifth range. But, yeah, no, that, that, that would be the only movement thus far. I, well, and I – I mean, Ohio State did well. They enough. were underwhelming. They yeah, were certainly Ohio, underwhelming. I mean, yeah. I, if anything, I would I would move Ohio State out of that top four and put FSU in that top four because Ohio State, yeah, they were very underwhelming, and I thought Michigan looked good. And you know that Ohio State, Michigan are going to have to go head to head. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, if there's any kind of move, it would be push Ohio State out of that top four, maybe FSU into the top four. Man, er, that early. Well, that's okay. That's why you play the games. And that's sure. why I kind of feel like they ought to give them five games before they even rank them, right? I mean, yeah. with TCU, what was TCU ranked? 17th. Okay. They well, will not be ranked okay. any longer. Yep. Yeah, they won't. They won't. But Auburn will move up, right? But with a win over UMass. <laughs> are you kidding me? Not, are there not 25 great teams in college football? I mean, Auburn, Auburn won't be ranked. Auburn won't be ranked. Yeah, I mean, they may get a, they may get a few more votes, but I, I'm telling you, every, the people that are like looking at Auburn are going to wait and see what they do against Georgia. Now, now they could they could definitely make a little bit more noise if they are very impressive win at Cal. But but I but yeah, I mean you'll get some more voters there, but they're really waiting to see what Auburn looks like against Georgia and A and M and A and M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I guess against uh, man that. It makes you want to watch Nebraska and Colorado. Could you imagine even saying that? <laughs> what in the world the of two thousands going on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that for sure. Hey, I know y'all got a break, and I appreciate y'all. Well, 
I hate you all cutting Anthony off because I like <laughs> Anthony a lot. But thank you. Hey, y'all, um, I'm excited. It's good. I'm so excited I didn't watch a single game. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> but, uh, but we're going to we'll, – we'll, but it's coming on. The good stuff's coming up. Yes, sir. So, man, it's good to talk to y'all, and we'll talk to y'all later. Absolutely, Jeff. Hope you have a great day. That is uh, Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Certainly appreciate Jeff's phone call and Anthony's phone call right there. Before that, we do need to take what will be our final timeout of the show. We will have a very quick version of Best and Worst of the Weekend when we come back. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brian Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here. Good show today. It is so good to be back to football and now analyzing what we've seen rather than theorizing about what's to come. And, of course, we have predictions, too, throughout the middle and late parts of the week. But so good to be talking about college football again. NFL coming up on Thursday, so we'll preview that a little bit later in the week. Uh, Good stuff for sure few minutes left in this program today time to get to best and worst now time for the best and worst no 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 of the weekend i have a negative and a worst that makes me feel bad and i don't want to end the show that way so let's start with worst and i'll go ahead and go first just get this out of the way uh my worst of the weekend is joseph goodman of al.com um (laughs) He was in Auburn's press box on Saturday, and he wrote an article, wrote a column after the Auburn game. Should Auburn have hired Deion Sanders? That's what (laughs) Joe Goodman came up with in the Auburn press box. As he's watching Auburn thump UMass, dude, we do not care. I I really don't. I hope Deion does well. It's fun. Uh, And if you want to compare him down the line in a few years, fine. If you want to compare Hugh Freeze to what Lane Kiffin does at Ole Miss in the next few years, fine. Whatever. We're not doing that game one. We're not. We're not doing it game three, okay? That's that's an article like, for two years from yeah, now. Yeah, just just give some time to some things. That's what's. I could go on a longer spiel about what's wrong with society. That's a good place to start is just observe Auburn for a few games before we start comparing to other schools. And if you're in Auburn's press box, talk about what Auburn did against UMass and how it might project through the season. Stop, don't, 
don't compare to other places. Let Auburn enjoy a good a good game one. Let Colorado and Dion people enjoy a good fun game one from Colorado. Don't start mixing the two. Good grief. I I, I feel like I could be harsher. I'm just gonna just just plead to just just let some time elapse before we start making judgments that just again do not need to be occurring this year that's my worst of the weekend uh my worst of the weekend is not being able to watch any football on espn sec network the worst uh i don't know what kind of a peeing contest (laughs) these two companies are in (laughs) with each other between charter spectrum and the disney company or whatever it's like guys figure it out yeah goodness gracious just figure it out i I mean dadgummit you, you sh- man, you can't just have these games blacked out like this. This, this is stupid. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't watch any of the major games other than the ones that were like on ABC, which is also Disney Company. I was able to watch yeah. that though. Sir, Disney owns certain ABC affiliates. Sure, that's what's going on. There. But but I, I get no no ESPN, no ESPN, no ESPN. You no SEC Network. Nothing. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah, I mean, this, we went this through. Is dumb. This we is went stupid. through the optics of it on Friday. We went through who's to blame, and we kind of are around the conclusion that Disney is more to blame. But obviously, Spectrum's not blameless. And at the end of the day, you're gonna. I mean, a lot of people are gonna be cutting that cord and moving on from Spectrum. Period. If if they don't get it figured out, so yeah, I certainly understand the frustration. I'm a Spectrum customer too. I found additional logins to suffice in this time of need, and appreciative of those people, but. uh yeah, no, it's it's awful for Spectrum people. 100%. Uh, my worst of the weekend, obviously, honestly, this could have been my best of the weekend, but I have another best that I want to get to. Uh, so I'm going to call it my worst, and I'm going to do it through the lens of focusing on a Texas high school quarterback, Will Hammond, okay. currently committed to Texas Tech. He plays at Hutto High School. Uh, the sure. Hutto Hippos, <laughs> oh, by the way. Good. Incredible name. <laughs> uh, in his game... On Friday night for Hutto, he went 36 of 58 for 719 yards, rushed for 88 yards. That's 807 total yards. Jesus. Four passing touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns, 10 total, and lost the yeah. game. Oh, no. The, Hutto, <laughs> I saw Hutto, about this, I think. The Hutto Hippos and the Liberty Hill Panthers combined for an 82 to 80 game. Liberty Hill came out on top, but this kid Jesus. scored 10 touchdowns and My lost God. the game. My God. Incredible. That's the high school version of that Mahomes Mayfield game. Yes, yes, Texas exactly. Tech from six or seven years kid ago. Kid committed My, to Texas Tech, by the way. Oh, there you go. My goodness gracious. That sucks for that kid. Great for him. It's awesome. Yeah. Everybody give him Incredible love, game. 807 yards. Stop. 807 yards should, and 10 touchdowns by and take the L. By the fourth quarter, they should have just asked him if he wanted to try defense because <laughs> it wouldn't have gone worse. Yeah, and get maybe, out there and play linebacker Maybe real he quick. would have lucked into something. I don't oh, know. Incredible stuff. All right, best of the weekend. My best, I'll go first again. I could do the overarching college football, but let me give you a particular about college football. Wyoming. Okay, Wyoming beats Texas Tech. Double overtime. They rush the field. Texas Tech don't rank, and I don't care. Uh, that's a great win for a smaller program, and and look, Wyoming's not smaller than some of the you know FCS programs that have pulled off a big upset before, or whatever. But again, that's not a populated state at all. It's like bottom five of the country. It's a huge state. There's a lot of nothingness in that state. I've never been, but I've heard plenty about it, and that's the type of stuff. 
where people valuing their college football programs, no matter if they're nationally relevant or not, that's what still makes the sport great. And we focus on the huge things, and of course we always will. But those things matter too, and those things are awesome to watch too. And that's really, in, in a lot of ways, that's the true embodiment of collegiate sports and collegiate football is having a small state school from a small conference beat a big state school from a big conference. doesn't matter Texas Tech ain't Texas. It's still Texas. And it's still in the state of Texas. They still care a lot. And so really cool scene there uh, with Wyoming beating Texas Tech. And it was you mentioned it earlier, Brian. It's a great way to, to end the first, first full Saturday of college football watching that one on big CBS, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my best of the weekend, and I, I'm going to veer off of the college football. And I'm gonna, I, there's plenty I could pick out from yeah, college football, trust sure. me. There, there were – you could pick out Shador Sanders or Travis Hunter or any of the you know multiple great games that happened. I want to go to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, that was just a massive, massive series win at the Los Angeles Dodgers to wrap up a really good West Coast string uh, out there where the Braves just proved that they were absolutely the best team in baseball uh, because I was concerned about the games at L.A., because the Dodgers are really darn good with Mookie Betts yeah. and Freeman. And it's like, we'll see what the Braves are made of. And they did it. Now, that was a best, but there is a best within the best of that. And that was on Saturday when Ronald Acuna hit the home run that he hit Saturday. 121 miles an hour velocity off the bat. So for folks that don't know baseball very well, that is dumb. Yep. <laughs> that that is, I mean, to get a hundred velocity coming off a of bat is special. Well above average. Yeah. That is a hundred, yeah, a hundred miles velocity yeah. off the bat is special. One twenty one point two. Think it was the most by like five it's, miles per hour. Yeah. Or it's seven the, miles per hour this year. The hardest hit ball in the majors this year, and yeah. I think the third yeah. hardest all time since they started yeah. keeping track of it. Um, four hundred and fifty foot, uh, four hundred and fifty one foot home run. With a one twenty one point two velo off the bat, good lord! Yeah, it's, that's tough. <laughs> that's just that's ridiculous. Nasty. So good for the Braves, uh, man. Yeah, yeah. I Fun think, series win over the Dodgers. Yeah, absolutely. A really successful road trip overall for the Braves. Yeah. Uh, my best of the weekend is going to be after the game on Saturday. Uh, Ryan, you, Brooks, and I all walked out of the press box. We walked over. Um, out of the stadium and gathered our belongings. I split off from you guys, and I went to go hang out with my family. My best was getting away from you. Right. right. We, spent, we, spent a, we spent an eight-hour day together, and I said, bye, guys. And that's it. That's the best. No. Uh, went over Brand, and- Brand had a 121 velo to get away from y'all. See <laughs> <laughs> um, But, uh, yeah, and went to go hang out with my family. And after that, we went to Lake Martin. My, my, uh, my aunt has a lake house out there. Um, so we went and stayed at that place, spent the night over there. And uh, on Sunday morning, uh, we just spent a couple hours on a pontoon boat. And that awesome. was a lot of fun. Awesome. Great weekend, then. Great weekend. Uh, so those are best and worst of the weekend. Uh, overall, I think everyone would say very, very good weekend. Football's back. Weather was not awful this weekend. No, it it's actually, about, yeah. about to get a little bit more toasty this week. but. Yeah. Alas, we had some nights yeah. where it was actually, over the weekend. Some yeah. nights it was rather cool. I, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to say chilly; it wasn't yeah. chilly, but, but I mean it was mid upper 60s. So. Yeah, I was yeah, like, it was, wow, it was like a little bit of a nip in the air. I kind of like this. Yeah, for a 2:30 kickoff in September, it was what 83, 84 yeah. degrees Very at kickoff doable. on Saturday. So, 
Great weather. Very doable. All right, real quickly, nightly TV guide to finish things off today. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide. It's presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. 6 o'clock ESPN2. If you have anything but Spectrum, U.S. Open Tennis <laughs> continues on. Uh, and then 7 o'clock, one more college football game for the weekend, for Labor Day weekend. It's number 9 Clemson at Duke. Don't quite scoff at Duke. Duke, unfortunately, is going to be decent this year, 7-8 win team. Uh, so Clemson going on the road. We'll get a look at Cade Klubnick and uh, Clemson's offense tonight, 7 o'clock ESPN. Uh, 8.30, your baseball, no Braves tonight, but you got the Angels. They're disappointing. Uh, say goodbye to Shohei Otani. They play the Baltimore Orioles, who are not disappointing and very good at baseball. And then two movie picks for you tonight, 7.30 on Freeform. you got animated Zootopia. And at 8.15 on CMT, you've got the original Top Gun. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Tom, thank you for being here, sir. Uh Good luck trying to figure out how to watch Clemson tonight. Otherwise, <laughs> we'll see you again tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but you, sir. And uh, Brant Daughtry, thank you for being on the show today. We will see you possibly later again this week, but probably next week. Thank you for having me. Uh, that will do it for the show today. Again, we appreciate all those that tune in and called in. We hope everyone out there has a good rest of their Labor Day. For Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.